0: to our annual best of the year episode where three uh movie geeks here myself Jamie Dean and Jerry we will all reveal our 10 favorite films of the previous year 2016 in this case and uh I wanted to bring this up because you know this is a theme that occupies you know, quite a few of the great films, but it seems like this theme has been more pronounced this past year than in previous ones. And that's this common thread of grief in a lot of movies, especially mm-hmm. in this latter part of the year. Is it just me? Am I, or no, no. Do you guys know that too? Yeah.
1: It's, I, a, it, it's a big thing.
2: Yeah. I, you know, actually I I'll, I'm going to be very blunt here the ones that really dealt with grief and, you know, the one where we I didn't put it on my list. I just, mm. just, I just, I, I'm not, not for that reason alone. I, I won't lie to you. There are a lot of films that aren't on my list, but I really, the last couple of years I've been very good, very restrained, in picking like 10 movies, maybe one time. But this year it's strictly 10 movies. I really like forced myself. I actually forced myself to put the first thing I made a list of a couple of weeks ago to stick to that. I won't um. lie to you. I really oh, yeah. did, did do that. Um No, because I, I you know it's it's fine to it include your others. Now I would like to if it's feasible if we have time at the end just to mention some of the ones that we like but we didn't put on if we could uh, do that.
1: Uh, yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah, we will
0: do that. But let, let, right, let me let I... me ask let me ask you something yeah. let me ask you something, Jerry, and if this is too yeah. personal or painful to ask, I'll cut it out. But just as a friend, like your year has been occupied by grief as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what your reaction to these movies are? Does it does it make them resonate more, or does it kind of want you to not not dwell on these movies as much? Because you already oh, have them in I, your life.
2: Oh, I have it in my life. What I'm amazed at is there's – I'm not going to – both the two films that I think of, and I'm not going to name them, but the two films that they were released towards the end of the year, um, it's one of the things that I actually think works in their favor, but there's one – um. Well, can I name it? Is that that's all right? Can I name the movie, or should I not sure. name it? Uh, yeah. Manchester yeah, by fine. the Sea gets it right. Manchester by the Sea is perfect in every way, um, and it gets that right. Um, and I still can't really... I feel so bad for Casey Affleck long after the movie is over. Like I was thinking about it the other day, the amount of mm. grief, the amount of... just When you realize what's happened in the movie you're just like, how does this, how is he even able to get up in the morning? I mean, I, I was really, that's why I just think, I think it's an incredible performance, but but that and Jackie, it's the one thing, it's the grief level, and you're right, I mean, and you don't, know, please don't cut this out, I actually think it, it adds to the show. Um, it, this, and I think my, I think my favorite scene in Jackie is her last night in the White House. I think mm. that's accurate. I actually think that's, that to me is the, if you want to say it, the the golden moment of her performance. Actually, I I do really think that whole sequence is wonderfully done. Um, but it is a hard movie to sit through, and and maybe it's because we know we know this period so well. It's such it, it is American mythology at this point. There's no other way to really look at it. Um, but I just thought that her last night in the White House
0: was um.
2: An incredible. You know, but well, what,
0: what, I'm, what I'm trying to say, I mean, during the times of my life when I've experienced extreme grief, I mean, first of all, it, it, my strong reaction wasn't re- relegated to just movies about what I was going sure. through. I, you know, famously, uh, I watched Glitter one time when I was going through a depression and I started weeping. So, Mariah Carey. <laughs> that, was the safest place to,
2: <laughs> that was the safest place to be during that period. Nine Eleven. That the movie theater showing that movie. You know the you are.
0: You know you're really depressed when you start weeping <laughs> and glitter But <laughs> the, uh, but but there there are other movies like I think about the strong reaction I had to Vicky Christina and what it tapped in inside of me. And I find that I've never wanted to revisit Vicky Christina again. Because that movie exists in a certain place mm-hmm. for me, you know, and to and to revisit it would either it would re, it would return the pain of what that movie resonated in me, or right. I'd look I'd look at it and think, oh god, it wasn't as good as I thought it would be, and and that that memory of it wouldn't be as special to me, you know, of, of what that movie meant to me at that time, right.
2: I understand that. I, I get that. I actually, you know, I was thinking about Vicky Cristina Barcelona the other night while watching something else. But uh, and your reaction to it, um, you know, because that's a, that's a really that's that's what I remember about the film more than anything, Jamie, is your reaction to it. It's it's it's, it's, it's what I call a really visceral, powerful reaction to a movie.
0: Um, and by the way, no, I, by the way, I I haven't revisited Glitter either. Well, I,
2: you know, I I don't think anyone has revisited. I maybe the invest in the investors have trying to figure out what went wrong, maybe. But um, no, um, I I I don't know if I'd ever watch either of those films again that I just mentioned. Um, but it's hard to watch them. I I gripped my mom's hand halfway through Manchester by the Sea, um, and she understands I mean because it was that. Um there are a couple painful moments in that um more so than Jackie but I'm sure as we get into this li- into our list that we are going to come across some movies I think that that touch on this um theme I I really do well, so um well well
1: Jerry do you
0: feel like you've seen every you saw everything you need to see in 2016 to be confident in your list
2: Well um you know what you know there's one mo- there's two movies I did not see um, that I wanted to see, but I just, they're not, they're playing, they're playing downtown. One is playing right now, but I just, you know, I just didn't have, I didn't go, um, I actually made a list of stuff that I did not see. Um, but there are two movies. Uh, the one, uh, the two, the prominent ones are uh, Patterson and Wiener Dog. I just haven't gotten to see. So those might've been. Well, don't worry
1: now. about Wiener Dog. It's, it's not. <laughs> you, you have to be like a really big, um, uh... You know, Todd Salon fan to love Wiener Dog, I think. But I think
2: uh, twenty years ago, that would have been the case. I think twenty mm. years ago, I would have been. I think after storytelling, I lost interest, though. So, mm. um, if that makes sense. Um,
0: yeah. Well, Dean, Dean yeah. and I were talking, and there's quite a few titles that we haven't seen yet. So, uh, uh, you know, I I haven't seen it a, a bunch. I haven't seen Manchester. I haven't seen Silence or Jackie. Uh, or L, or, uh, you know, those are the main ones that I feel like I've missed out Mm -hmm. on that had the potential to make my top 10. So because we're doing our top 10 tonight, I am going to give you a top 10, but just for clarity's sake, nine and 10 would probably exit my list based on my reaction to the ones I haven't seen that I expect Mm -hmm. to like.
2: So it it isn't
0: like really from nine and 10, I'm a little ashamed by personally, <laughs> Don't be ashamed. Don't ever be ashamed by your That's list. I, I, I
1: like I I that. like, I, I like ahead my ahead. Uh, I, I'm in the same boat. Like I still haven't seen uh I I haven't seen silence. I wasn't able to make time for it this week. Um uh I haven't seen L or Patterson. Uh, American Honey was one that I was uh, trying to get around to seeing. Uh um Uh, I just finished Tony Erdman, like, really, like, five minutes before we uh, finished the show, started the show, so, uh, but, um, so, I mean, I saw about 150 movies from this year, Mm -hmm. uh, and still, at this, uh, at this date... Uh, Because of the way that they're, uh, you know, shoving all good things, even if they've been around for a year, like Manchester by the Sea and, (laughs) and, you know, I mean, Manchester by the Sea came out like literally premiered a year ago. And it took a year for us to be able to see it because they wanted to throw it out there during the Oscar season. Well, that's what everybody's doing. So basically, what you have is a and I complain about this all the time on the show is a is a one to two month period where literally it feels like seventy movies have come out that you have to go and see and it's just like how how do they I recently just saw a headline in Variety that said, Why are movies so many movies bombing now? Like, you know, Live by Night, the new Ben Affleck is You don't, dying. don't waste your time guys. That, don't th- don't that, waste didn't, your time. that didn't it didn't look good from the preview to me either. But uh uh you know, there's a lot of things dying on the vine. Why? Because there's too many choices. There's too many. Even some film reviewers can't watch all of these movies. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I include I include myself in that. Uh, all three of us in that in that uh, realm. Uh, and when you how and when are you do how are Academy members? Movies, when
0: you do watch all of those movies, at what
1: point do they kind of lose their?
0: You know, you're not watching after a while. You're not watching them. They're not they're not sinking yeah, in because one I've, after
1: another after I've another. It feels like homework. Yeah, it feels like it feels yeah. like I, homework. I, it feels I'm, like I'm you're. Completing a task and not really, uh, I you know. I watched
2: four movies since getting out of work Friday in the theater. Yeah. One, one Friday we had to do a double feature. Um. And then I did one yesterday and I did one today. I saw Patriots did it. I saw Live By Night yesterday. Um, If I was given more time, one of those four that I have seen, I would put on my list. But I just figured, you know what, I made the list. I'm going to live by it. I will say, though, that the one the one movie that, that of those four is a four-star movie right now. Mm. Uh, but I just didn't know. I just didn't feel like, you know, how should I say it? You know, I just – even though these lists are – you know, at the end of the day, they're just our list. They're not set. And so I'd be very strict. I wanted to be for myself, as I've gotten better about this over the yeah. years. I wanted to be like, hey, maybe next year I would include it. Maybe. Mm. But if we talk about this film, which I think we might tonight – um I'll I'll bring
0: it up. Uh let's do our list. Okay, we flip a uh a three-sided coin and uh Dean,
1: you have the first pass. Well, I'm going to pull a Jerry Dennis here. Uh, oh my and... god, it's become a
3: verb. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: and combine two movies, uh but I think they're they're very, you know, obviously uh linked together in in a lot of ways. Um <clears throat> but number ten is a combo for me. it's uh Christine and uh Kate plays christine uh both of them about Christine Chubbuck. talk about grief oh. Uh, oh, okay. oh my god uh, well uh <clears throat> let me start with uh let me start with Kate plays christine uh which is a a film by Robert Greene, who kinda of made a splash a couple of years ago with a movie called Actress with uh Brandy Burr in the lead that kind of uh kind of covers some of the same ground that, that Kate Plays Christine uh does. Uh <clears throat> Kate Plays Christine has uh, Kate Lynn Shell, uh or Shile I think, uh, uh, in in the lead. It's a <clears throat> you know, it's a movie that after I watched it I was like or while I was watching it, I was like, "What is this movie? Is it a documentary? Is this written? Uh, is it?" Uh, uh, I-, I couldn't tell what it was, and it really stuck with me. Uh, the the lead actress is preparing to play Christine Chubbuck, the uh, the news reporter, uh, the Florida news reporter who shot herself on camera in 1974, live on television and uh there's uh, the film uh uh it shows her preparing for this role uh she doesn't look like she's prepared <laughs> when you see the scenes in the movie uh that are clips from the movie she's working on. the movie doesn't look very good she she she's she's not hitting the right notes and uh and then we we're, we're following her in the sort of the documentary part of the movie we're following her as she's trying to gather information about Christine um and uh is having a very difficult time uh, she she can't even she doesn't even know how the how the woman walked or talked or anything there's there's no she struggles to find footage of her there's no footage around and uh uh, and the 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 death itself is you know suppressed. Uh, the the tape of it is apparently in a vault somewhere in the station owner's you know safe or something. And um, <clears throat> uh, she just doesn't know how to approach the role. And uh, so what I really liked about Kate uh, plays Christine was not its really its take on Christine Chubbuck, although I thought that was that was interesting it was interesting to to see how it was more of a movie about an actress trying to find her way into a role uh and uh and uh, and the struggle that it takes to uh to create a character particularly one that's that's based on somebody in real life uh uh and <clears throat> i think the movie just grabbed me because of uh because I was just trying to figure it out. Uh, and I still, I'm still perplexed by it and uh, fascinated by it. Um, as far as Christine goes, the other movie, which is uh, 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 about the same subject, but takes a more straightforward approach to it. Uh, it's by Antonio Campos, uh, a filmmaker that I don't know anything about really, but uh based on this film i think that he he should be considered somebody somebody worth watching rebecca hall plays christine chevik in this and uh and it's a much more straightforward uh, piece uh, a a huge uh, hugely affecting mood piece uh one of the best movies i've ever seen about depression um and mm. uh and uh, it's uh, it really it it, it follows Christine Chebik probably a few months before uh she commits suicide on camera uh, and it follows her trying to get the local station that she works for, which is led by Tracy Letts, the <laughs> the great the great writer. and Pulitzer prize winning writer who's turned into probably the greatest character actor. <laughs> mm, uh, no, no, uh, I of mean course. certainly he's that, in i He's I, really good at it. He is. He's fantastic in it. He plays the, the head of the studio, the head head of the uh, news division uh, at the uh, local station who really stands in her way. He wants the he wants the news to be if it bleeds it leads. Uh and this is a new concept. Uh he he's looking for ratings. Uh well it was new in seventy four. And uh and Christine wants it really wants to do more uh more su- substantive reporting. Um, reporting on things that really matter in people's lives, and not just violence and fires and things. Uh, and uh, he stands in her way. He's really he's really somebody who's just you know personification of an asshole basically. And uh, he's he's uh, he she's uh, she's got very sympathetic people around her uh, at the studio. Uh, but uh she's also dealing with a very empty uh <clears throat> personal life. She's living at home with her mother, who's uh who's also great, played by uh uh J. Smith Cameron. And uh uh she's she's uh loveless. Uh she's a virgin at thirty. Uh this is these were all true true facts. Uh and uh um uh, she's uh, she's incredibly depressed. Uh, there's this shattering scene where she's, she's out uh, and uh, she's sort of staring longingly at a couple at a nearby table at a restaurant that she's gone to. And uh, she decides to approach them in a very uncomfortable scene. They're out on a date. She approaches them and says, oh, you look like you're very much in love and and she kinda of passes it off as kind of a way to uh to get a story. She wants to do a story on them, but it's an incredibly uncomfortable scene and you can just feel the longing in her uh soul for uh somebody to connect with. Uh and I just I just found the movie incredibly fascinating right from right to the very, very end, which I think it has a fantastic final shot, by the way. If you really think about this final shot and and uh what happens in it uh i i think uh, uh i think it will resonate with with people with more uh, observant people but uh I, I just thought that the both of these movies uh sort of ping off each other in very fascinating ways and uh and that's why i you know i had to put this into the top 10 uh, you know it probably would If I'd see uh, had seen other movies, you know, maybe it might fall out, but uh, but I still love these two movies. Well,
0: I think that uh, you know I like Christine um, and Rebecca Hall. Man, first of all, she was the perfect actress to cast in the role. Um, Not just for the look, but obviously for what she brought to it emotionally, and that it's such a brave, fierce performance because. Christine w- was a very off-putting person I mean obviously she, she suffered from depression um, but as the movie shows there were people that reached out to her and, and did try to make a connection but she could not let them in um, and so there, there are moments throughout the movie where you feel like you know you can you can get there there it's the opportunity is right there it, it, accept that invitation to lunch or to get together or to talk Talk to a friend or you know but you, so you feel her isolation build throughout the movie um, mm. and I think it is a very visceral movie. It's just that – you know it, it, it's a thing of, it made me think about when you when the lead character in your movie doesn't really let anything penetrate you know and I'm not talking about sex I'm talking about but even though it could be you know you could equate it to sex.
3: But right. she doesn't let
0: anyone in. I mean, no wonder she's a virgin. Nothing nothing can penetrate that facade that she has. So, um it, it, when you make a movie where your lead character is that, uh, it is a challenge to, to, to make a viewer emotionally invested. And right. I, right. You know, I come I come from a place where I was really I am really interested in Christine Chubbuck just generally. And uh, I'm I'm interested in how her mental illness manifested itself and and kind of dictated the end of her life. So I had that kind of investment in it. Um, but I think, like the general public, I could see the general public having a problem with it because the, there's no one to like root for in a you know kind of standard movie way. Um,
1: well, I think to that, I think that the. <clears throat> okay. Well, I think that her depression was so severe, and it probably had been since since the, her teen years, uh, that uh, she she was probably at that point unable to really speak with people because, in order to speak with people honestly, she, she probably she probably I, I feel this in my own depression sometimes. That uh, I can't speak to people really uh, honestly uh, mm-hmm. unless I unless I say hey listen I'm dealing with a major illness here and I think that she wanted to um, I, I think that she wanted to keep that under wraps uh, and um, and there was I think that she was afraid to to reach out to anybody because she didn't want to reveal. Uh, the the uh, the sort of terrible life that she'd been living. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. When yeah. you say so, that,
2: when you say that, you let me let me give, just give some advice some point, and I'm sure, Dean, you know this. Never say to anyone, I, and it's a horrible thing to say, but I have to say it, even in light of um, Car- Carrie Fisher's death and everything. Who was an outspoken, <clears throat> um, you know, champion for people like us. um, you know, I was at a party one time, and I thought I was amongst friends, and I, they are good people. But I had said, "Hey, I suffer from a mild depression." This was about in two thousand and four, and I just, I, I, I really just sort of like, like shut the room up. Um, you know, it, it, it's not something that you—it's unfortunately not something that you can talk about. So I, no, I just, you, just, you really can't. It's really sad, isn't it, Dean? It is really mm. sad that you can't. But I remember I was really just down just really going through one of my moods. And I learned a very valuable lesson. This is just not something you can talk about with most people, sadly, even people, especially, especially in
0: seven, in 70, in something like 74. Oh yeah. yeah, You know, but, but, you know, I think it's a great picture of mental, uh, of, of mental illness and what she experienced, but the only, and this isn't a complaint about the movie. It's just an interesting note about how we generally respond to movies. It, it is a challenge. to Have your lead character be someone so closed off,
3: mm-hmm. and get
0: get an, an audience emotionally invested in that. I appreciated the movie, though
3: the mm-hmm. I
1: did.
0: But I like more I I, Yeah,
1: I I think it, it. Um, I don't think that it really tries to. I I don't think that. It's, Well, it's really all up to Rebecca Hall, who, by by the way, is, is, that's what, it's one of the performances of the year. I mean, she, she really is, uh, has a certain walk, uh, a certain, uh, uh, a certain kind of clomping kind of gait to her walk that just says everything, uh, and, uh, there's, there's no sexuality, uh, to it at all. (laughs) There's like, there's sort of a kind of confusion when she kind of walks into the room, like, Everybody seems to be kind of walking on eggshells in some ways around her. Uh, uh, Michael C. Hall is a is a uh, plays the the uh, lead anchor at the station, and he tries to reach out to her. And uh, I um, I just uh, yeah I, I I thought it was a ridiculously powerful performance, and uh, it really is. And, and Tracy you know, Letts there's was also just this. fantastic in it.
0: There's also this, there's, and then we'll move on to Jerry's number ten because we got to get through these. But there's also yeah, yeah. This for that, um, you know, that she chose to be a news reporter, to be extremely visible, mm-hmm. uh, and yet, uh, uh, you know, which is uh, sounds like a like a uh, they're at odds with each other. Yeah. But you know, I've experienced this in my own life, and you hear a lot of actors say this too, that. I'm very kind of antisocial. Like if I walk into a room with people I don't know, I'll automatically assume that everyone in that room hates me. And I, I, I feel incredibly uncomfortable. That's how I've been my whole life. And yet yeah. I can go on stage in front of thousands of people. There, mm-hmm. there is like this undercurrent of, I want to be seen, yeah. uh, uh-huh. but, but, uh, but not as necessarily exactly who I am. <laughs> But with with Christine, I mean that's at play in in Christine as well. But also, it leaves it kind of open that she might not have actually even been very good as a news reporter. Uh,
1: Mm -hmm. You know, she she wasn't
0: uh, exactly polished in her presentation,
1: or She she had her head
0: buried in her notes for most of the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's it's true. I mean, even when you in Cape Place, Christine, you do get to see some real footage of the of uh, uh, of Christine Chubbuck, and and you can see that in in the, her her ambitions kind of out outshot her abilities, and that's probably yeah. something that she knew as well. So uh, yeah. that probably con- okay. contributed to her depression. Jerry,
2: you're number ten. I really regret not seeing it at AFI, even if it was only two show times. Okay. Um, I talked about this movie, so I won't go into that much detail about it. And this would be, um, my number 10 is Chanwalk Park's the handmaiden,
3: Mm. um,
2: which I just Mm. thought, I, I just, first of all, a, he had a movie out. I don't even think a lot of people knew that, um, people who were fans of old boy or lady vengeance. I don't even know if people knew that he had a movie come out this year. Um, that was one of the reasons I wanted to put it on a list just to make people aware of it, but it's um, this is the one that takes place um, in Occupied Korea when the Japanese are, um, are Occupied Korea, and there's just this scheme going on to um, try to be, defund this, um, how should I say it, this um, Japanese heiress, and it just has all the, if you paid attention to Mr. Park's career, it has all his, things in it i mean just i was i couldn't imagine the first time i was watching i was just like wow i see so this guy definitely has his own visual style he has his own motifs that he uses his own little visual tricks and there are like objects and everything he seems to be obsessed with
3: octopuses
2: um they seem to be just show up in the oddest places in his movies um but he's also really a
1: master
2: of cinematic revenge um, if you, I mean, obviously, this is a man who did the Vengeance trilogy with Old Boy and the two other films in that trilogy, but here, this is also a tale of revenge that is very carefully calculated um, through the years, and it, it requires some patience, but I had to pick this movie for, if anything, it's probably one of the most beautiful movies I've seen this year, just just very lush, um, you know, I and I just I've always been a very big proponent of Asian cinema, and I was very upset over the years to notice that I hadn't seen much. Um, I've been a very big, you know, I love Japanese um, films and Korean films and Chinese films. but I just hadn't seen that much until this one. And something happened over the summer um, that I really just regained interest in the whole, in that, that whole region cinema. And I just, it was really nice that there was, I could at least put a film that I had seen Cause it couldn't be the other movie, The Wailing, the Korean horror movie. I watched that a couple of weeks ago, and that just sort of left me cold. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this movie, and it takes place in a Korean village, and there's a virus going around, and it just goes on mm-hmm. and on and on and on. And you are just like, when's it going to end? <laughs> I got mm. to to do, when's it going to end? But no, this <laughs> one was just really, not going back to The handmaiden, um a really great movie. Um Really stylist. I mean you know, though no, it's not not to say, I mean, it is one of the most beautiful movies and I did taking into consideration, um, Rules Don't Apply, which was lensed by um Philippe Deschanel which is also very beautiful to look at too. Um, but no, this this I just and I and I talked about this when we had seen it, so I just definitely that's my number ten. Um
0: Well okay. I regret not seeing more foreign films last year. Like uh I do. But uh
1: Yeah, I mean you know, I, usually I, usually uh Usually my list is is filled with a few more foreign films than it is this year, but I f- I found them incredibly hard to find. Yeah. So, oh God. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, they're incredibly hard to find now. Like uh, you you really really have to like go out. And, uh, you just they're just you know finding them in theaters for most people would be almost impossible uh, unless yeah. you're in a major market. So. Uh, but uh, yeah, so and, and uh, Handmaiden is definitely one that I'm sorry I've missed. Uh, uh, I I understand that it's beautifully, uh, mm. beautifully made. So uh, so it's definitely on my list to see. Yeah. Even yeah, more. Jerry. My, not
0: all. Not not all of us have an AFI theater, Jerry. That was the
2: only way I could <laughs> see it, and it wasn't even there that long. Let me put it to you like this: it wasn't even there. If we had, if we go on the next day, no luck.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, my number 10 – now, my number 9 and 10, I'm including in this list this week with reservations. Now, when I see these other movies, I'll update my list and publish it and whatever. But my number 10 right now, I have – just as a film, I have reservations about it because I think what the movie isn't represents such a wasted opportunity. And I won't go on long about it, but number 10 is De Palma. The reason Mm. why it's on my list is because what it is is too juicy and entertaining uh, not to include, especially Uh because it it pertains to an artist that I've been obsessed with for decades. So I I was relieved. I was happy and thrilled and and very entertained by the movie and the fact that the movie exists delighted me. I just wish it would have gone deeper because you're dealing with an artist whose main criticism – outside of being like a Hitchcock clone and woman in peril and a misogynist and all that kind of stuff, what they're really saying is there's no there there. It's all surface imitation, flash, and all that kind of stuff. So what I wanted the movie to do was show how it wasn't all just technique. It wasn't just all camera trickery and an homage to Hitchcock, that there was real thinking there, uh, real biting satire commentary about uh, the political realm, about uh, our society, which I find in in quite a probably a good, like half of De Palma's output, Mm -hmm. I see see that kind of worthiness in his films. That wasn't touched upon in this movie. This movie was, this is how I came to this place. This is how I chose this movie. These are the people I worked with. Now let me tell you a funny anecdote or two about them, which is fine because De Palma serves as a really entertaining raconteur. But it didn't plumb the depths, and it could have corrected a lot of thinking about uh, uh, appreciation of De Palma's work. It could have matured uh, the way that a lot of people view his work, and it missed that opportunity, I think.
2: Uh, okay. Um, I have a confession to make. This is my number two. I, <laughs> okay. This is my number two, and I agree with everything you just said, but I was very grateful to Adam Long for sharing the link to let me watch his screener while I was at work, of all places. Um, as, someone, as someone said, we've never seen you happier at work. Um I've never seen someone with a smile on their face for two hours straight, but that's just the way it is. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Yeah, it could have plumbed the depths. But when this movie came out, I was thinking about this the other day. For a brief moment in the film criticism, the online film world, all anybody was talking about yeah. was Brian De Palma for a week. Yeah. Let's not get carried away. Let's not, for a week, the genius of Brian De Palma, you read these articles and everything, and it was like, oh, my God. It's like, what? I must, have, I must have hit my hand, gotten off on the wrong side of the bed or something. I mean, all these people going on and on about the genius of De Palma, and I'm just thinking to myself, where the hell have you guys been for the last couple of decades? Now you're going to say he's a genius? I mean, come on. I mean, no, it's a good – I think it's a good movie, and I agree. It's just him really it just seemed really – it's just basically the, the dinners that they had. I think what the most interesting thing was, guys, you guys get to have dinner with De Palma every week? I'm jealous. I mean, I've <laughs> yeah. that dinner. No, I, I mean, mean,
0: you know, it, it, it it's it's delicious for people like you and me, Jerry, who are obviously – we're both De Palma obsessives. Yeah, um, obviously. Another, another curiosity is I wanted to know how a filmmaker talked to another filmmaker about their work. <laughs> Mhm. Um and what I found is they obviously interviewed him the same way anyone would. I uh-huh. I think maybe if if he was being prodded by a film academic, you probably could have had a more studious, thoughtful examination of his work instead of the kind That's of, the, the the you know, problem. the entertaining, yeah,
1: yeah, right. That's 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 the that's the crux of the problem that you're saying. I I love De Palma. It's in my it's in my top twenty, uh, and I'm not a huge fan either. Uh, I just felt like uh, I mean I I like I like the seventies and the eighties a lot of the eighties movies. Oh yeah but, yeah yeah no, of course of course. Yeah uh, you, you know I I felt like it was just the uh, it was like the best. Uh, I mean yeah you're right it doesn't it doesn't plumb plumb the depths the 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 subtext of his movies but it it was like you were talking to him and 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 you got the chance to ask him just about every yeah. question that you wanted to ask <laughs> and he answered yeah. them yeah i
2: mean and
1: and i liked that i i liked uh i found that hugely enjoyable and uh he was he was very honest about uh his his uh failures and and it really just follows his career, uh, you know, up until today, really. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, 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 you know, from the very beginning to today, and so I, I don't know. I, I, I found it also very ridiculously entertaining, and, and yeah, I mean, yeah,
3: it's exciting.
2: I did, I, mean,
1: I did I, too. Like,
0: I did yeah, too. I mean, I, I, I'm,
1: I'm, I, I'm, I'm reviewing what it wasn't
0: instead of what it was, and yeah, what it I mean. was. It's very it's very entertaining and yeah. satisfying for me in a kind of surface pleasurable kind of way.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I, look. It made me go revisit The Fury, and Snake Eyes that week because um, I know we talked about those on, on the show at the time. But um, I, I just you know when I when I watch it, the, the, I have a very melancholy reaction because I I still think he has a couple of great movies in him. And maybe that's wishful thinking. I don't know how those movies are going to get made. I don't know. Who, I think what I found very depressing was here you have this. I, I'm sorry, a genius, um, for lack of a better word, and he he's not doing much lately. Um, and the movie, yeah. and let's be honest, the last couple movies are are very um unremarkable, to say the least. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the last movie I saw that I really really liked was *Them Patel. and. I know that's not even popular with a lot of people, but I like that. That to me at least has a lot of the classic, De Palma
1: things in it, and I think you know, that's his last great movie. Uh, yeah, I I, yeah. I did like Passion though. I I thought Passion was you oh, know Passion's sort of interesting. I mean, don't get me wrong. Even Passion was a bad De Palma or lukewarm De Palma is better
2: than a lot of other things. But it's just uh-huh. we know what he's so capable of though. I yeah. think that's what it is, and it's and it, that's what makes it so infuriating. He is the Rodney Dangerfield of directors. He gets no respect whatsoever. <laughs> I mean,
0: none.
2: I've said that repeatedly on the
1: show, but he really doesn't get any respect.
0: Okay, Dean, yeah. you're
1: number nine. My number nine movie is probably the, one of the sweetest movies that I saw this year. and It becomes <clears throat> even more melancholy, uh, melancholy uh, knowing that um, an era is ending. Um it's uh South Side With You. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. The uh the wonderful movie by Richard Tan, uh, uh that chronicles the first date uh between Barack Obama and Michelle uh uh Michelle Robinson. Uh Michelle Robinson's played by Tika Sumter and Barack is played by Parker Sawyers. They're both Tremendously effective in their roles And uh, It's kind of uh, I kind of liken it to uh, You know I, I Just take out the Barack and Michelle angle And just look at I look at it also as just sort of a First date uh, Movie you know like it's it's like uh in a way, you know, you can liken it to something like before sunset or before sunrise or whatever. Uh the uh it's very simple. It uh just shows them um uh, meeting. Uh uh I guess Barack uh and Michelle have worked together in uh their offices before, in their law offices. uh he has a crush on her. She's very resistant. Uh, uh, the date starts off, uh, you know, they're even debating whether it's really a date or not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, you know, eventually they go see, <laughs> they, they walk around the park. Uh, they, they have ice cream, you know, uh, she, she, uh, accompanies him to a community meeting where he, uh, she gets to see his, uh, tremendous uh speaking abilities uh and his abilities to uh to rouse people to uh action and support and uh uh and then you know uh, you know they go see they go see do the right Thing.
3: <laughs>
1: uh they run into some some uh some coworkers uh uh she's trying to <clears throat> keep the date on the download because she doesn't want anybody in the office to know that there might be something there and uh, uh, you know and then the movie's over I remember seeing it at the theater and uh, people were surprised when it was over it was like what that's the end <laughs> you know and and I was like well what did you guys expect I mean <laughs> this is a fake but it was just so it was just such a sweet movie just a a, a sweet um you know uh, almost innocent kind of uh film uh that, that didn't really have uh i guess it had a political uh overtone to it simply because of who they are yeah but uh but i i tried to sort of uh look at it as just a as a movie about two people uh uh and uh um i you know honestly i, I guess it's it's, it's it's you you can't really get away from uh saying that they're not just two people they're two very very special people oh, yeah. um so um yeah i mean uh, i feel myself <clears throat> getting kind of emotional uh you know. Because of this week, yeah, you know, of course, The, teams, the yeah, last course. week, you know, and uh, God, we're gonna miss them. Yeah.
2: yeah,, um, it's a beautiful film, um, it's a really, truly beautiful film, and I you know i it's so sad it did I wish it had resonated more with people, and I don't know whether that was a bellwether or not that. Because I don't know if people would have gone to see it. You know, more people would have gone to see it. But it's a beautiful little movie. Um, Just really. It is. And then can I just say something? You know, while watching it, you know, you almost want to, you know, you're at times tempted to just, like, whisper, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for doing what you did. Um, And I know there will be people who listen to this and criticize us for that. But, no, really, I agree with what you had written earlier on Facebook. I agree, like, 2,000% with what you wrote mm. about him. Um, so, but there's something very nice about watching this. And um, there's a very, it's a very sweet little movie. And, and yeah, if, if you can divorce who they are and just say it's a first date movie, it, it's, a, it's, it, if you can, I don't know if you can do that, but it's an interesting experiment, but it's just really quite something to behold.
0: Um, I well, I mean, it. whatever, whatever your politics are, <laughs> um, you know, that, that is a special love story and together they accomplished what no one would have thought they would have been, would have been capable of accomplishing, um, you know, from, from those beginnings. And that's what the movie covers. Mm -hmm. By the way, I mean, I, I, I look back through history, um, and I think that there have been a lot of special, uh, uh, husband and wife, president, first lady relationships uh, from both parties. Uh, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. It probably wouldn't, it wouldn't be as meat, it wouldn't be a meat cute movie. But I have no doubt that uh, Nixon and his wife had a powerfully strong love, that Reagan and his wife definitely had a powerful, strong love.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, you know, I, I, I look at it through that prism, whatever your political bent is. And these are two people, like the best love stories, that empowered one another to reach the heights that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's what's probably most special about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. definitely. Uh, Jerry, number nine for you.
2: All right, number nine, The Edge of seventeen. Wow. Yeah, no, I like this movie. I like this movie a lot. You know, we talked a couple years ago about the to-do list and many years about Juno, and this is definitely, I I actually think, in many ways better. Um, I I have to give it to Halle Steinfeld, playing this really, you know, kind of uber slacker who thinks she knows everything about the world and everything and really sort of gets her butt handed to her um, in the movie. But the crux of the movie... Is about It's a great realistic movie about high school. She plays um, a character named Nadine, and guess what? Her best friend, another sort of um, outsider, Krista, starts dating her popular older brother. And hijinks ensue, um, a lot of tension, but what I really like about the movie is every couple of years, a movie like this comes along, and this one really wasn't recognized by anyone, um, this didn't do well. I don't think this even did well. Um. No. I got lost in the shuffle. Um, it, it lasted longer than Bleed for This, but uh, you know, so did I. But um yeah. you know for that matter. But no, I just say because I wanted to go see Bleed for this but, like a week after it came out, no longer playing. Gone. Yeah out. It's zero. But no. Um Halle Steinfeld, I guess she was really her her big break was the remake of True Grit a couple of years ago. Um, she's just superb. I mean, she just rocks this very solid. Um, And it's got a great supporting cast. I care of Cedric, Woody Harrelson as a teacher who, this is what I like about the movie. You think you know everything about everybody in this movie and it completely upends that. I mean, you don't know anything. You're just as clueless as the main character. Really. Um, It it really breaks a lot of um, preconceived notions um, of the genre and it has some fun with it. And, but it was um, a good. I like these movies about high school, and as I get you know, further removed about high school, it shows you. Know, wow, I really didn't know what was going on. But then that these that <laughs> filmmakers. No, I really didn't.
1: Well, high schools it. changed quite a bit. So, no, but. it changed
2: quite a bit, but it's changed a lot. But it hasn't, in one sense. So yeah. There are some things, but I just like these films where you visit it and you have these like really cool protagonists. Who are very, you know, they think they know everything that's going on, but you know what? They really don't. They don't have the world figured out, as we as we learn, like towards the end, they're just as clueless as as we were in high school. And it's a really nice reminder. Um, but I I don't this is it's a new film with Kel, Kelly Freeman Craig, and I can't wait to see what uh, she does next because this was really well done, um, and definitely is worthy of its accolades that it did get reviews and everything when it came out. Um certainly, and definitely deserves to be on my list
0: Okay. Mm. I need to see it um, yeah me too and james l james o. brooks full throated support yeah. and mm-hmm. produced mm-hmm. it, correct he produced it
2: um, I think he did let me just yeah let me um
1: he did
0: okay no um <clears throat> okay, my number nine uh I try to have like a little bit of everything in my top ten list. Um, so this this portion of my top ten list is the you know the genre movie, um, the kind of movie that uh, you've seen variations of many times before. But but uh, these two movies I'm doubling up for the first time ever. Jesus, Jesus Christ! These I didn't
2: know I had this impact on people. <laughs>
0: these two movies uh, are great examples of uh, genre films that are firing on all cylinders. Uh, and that's Hell or High Water and The Infiltrator. Um, oh yeah. Now, oh, I forgot all about the Infiltrator. I say, yeah. I say that I, say, I was I was shocked that I liked the Infiltrator as much as I did. But it it is the kind of movie where uh you know the the uh FBI guy goes undercover to try to uh thwart uh Pablo Escobar's operation. He befriends People and the higher up echelons of the organization, um, he and he has to separate real life from his you know work life, and it's dangerous. He could be beheaded and gutted and all that kind of stuff. The high stakes. We see this kind of movie a lot, but this is a movie that every everything in it works for me. The relationships feel very. Um, for instance, the relationship that he has with. Uh, one of Escobar's higher ups, played by Benjamin Bratt, he he gets a gets into a really close relationship with him and his wife, um, and you mm-hmm. feel that you you almost to the point where it's so nice to see them being friends with each other. You don't want to see him,
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: adorable, you know. Uh, and a lot of the credit for how well the infiltrator works is is obviously Cranston, mm-hmm. who is such a solid presence in mm. everything he does. I mean he's such a centering kind of all right, I know where I am. I'm in good hands. Every time you see Cranston, you know, they he'll he'll do his job. Um yeah. and it's exciting. Uh, it's it's just it's really well done. Heller Water is the same thing for me. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago so we don't have to belabor the point. But um very well written, very uh uh trim and uh, great uh Colorful characters without being lampoony, um, uh, great uh, knowing dialogue. It's just a very very solid uh, A uh, grade A handling of a B movie. Um, I mm. think for me. Yeah. Now you can yeah, talk yeah. about yeah. The, the subtext, the subtext to the financial crisis <clears throat> and all that kind of stuff. But when uh, there's another movie on my list that actually deals with that head on. And when you see this other movie on my list, you think, no, Hell or High Water is it, it shouldn't be looked upon as like a beacon of a financial crisis, holding that baton when you have a movie like this over here. So I'll talk about that one later. But these are two really good genre movies on my number nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I which, have a uh, Hell
3: or High, which high
2: Water Which I could discard
0: when I see Silence. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! You? Uh,
2: you might you might keep Hell or High Water on there. I don't know. Um. But um, I, I have Hell or High Water as number six. You know, it's a really great genre movie, and it's what really great genre movies do. They do try to be about something more. Um, so yeah. obviously mm. there's that. But I have it as my number six. So, and I talked about it when it came out, so there's no reason we can – we might make this quicker than and we're I, You know um, what? And
0: I, I, I appreciate that it didn't – this is what I appreciate about the financial stuff, that it didn't attempt to be about that. That no. that was the under that was the undercurrent, yeah. In the movie, and that, that, I, and I like that about it. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. I, I think I don't it was see any I, flaws I, in the movie. You know, no, no, way
1: no. It I, I I liked uh, Hell or High Water quite a bit. I mean, it's it's not in my top twenty, but it is a film of note for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, you know, I think the thing that really makes it work is the cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the cast is incredibly good uh uh right down to you know players that have only one scene in the movie uh i, I think the the movie is very generous to give uh give these uh smaller players you know a moment to shine uh and yeah. um uh as far as uh, i i feel like it's uh the movie was a little overpraised when it came out and it made me uh it's it still it's I I think it is a very very entertaining movie, I just don't think that it's one of the great movies of the year, for me, but uh, but still a movie that, that everybody should see. Yeah, no, no, you know.
2: it came out at a time. I think you have to look when a movie is released, and it's a bad period. You know, yeah. so you know you have to. Look, you also have to remember whenever it's released. If, that, if, that, if Hell or High Water had come out at the end of the
1: year, forget. I don't think it would have received the same kind of attention.
2: Yeah, it just
1: happened to have. come out yeah. right right at that time period where people were uh overloaded with uh, you know, summertime uh goofball movies and uh yeah. and uh and this this reminded them which is good to know that something can remind people Oh this is what a good movie is like yeah.
0: <laughs> You know so I, I appreciate way, it On that this, level this, this, I mean this, this movie is as valid as anything On any list because this is a movie That if it's on cable late Saturday night Or Sunday afternoon Years from now you will watch it you know, Yeah
1: it's, And the same thing goes with The Infiltrator I, I watched The Infiltrator this week and uh, And again Thought it was incredibly enjoyable I thought it was a little too long uh, it reminded me uh, a bit of uh, um, uh, Donnie Brasco in a lot of yeah. ways, yeah. Uh, uh, and because because it, I felt like I kind of already seen this movie before in some ways, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's still a movie of note for me. But I, uh, um, you know, that, that's kind of what kept kept me from from loving it uh, as much as I could. And, and, the, but, and that great, but I theme, agree with a lot that of that your points. Part.
0: That great yeah. scene in the restaurant where he's taking his wife out to dinner for yeah. their anniversary. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a
3: great scene. <laughs> I like the, that
0: scene. The kingpin shows up, and he's got to turn on a dime. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff.
1: All right, yeah. Dean, your number good. eight. Uh, number eight for me uh, is a film I just saw this past week, Uh and uh, it's gotten a lot of uh, Got a lot of praise at, at the Cannes Film Festival I think it won the Palms Door or, uh, But uh, I, th- I think that's the truth <laughs> That's the case uh, But it's uh, Ken Loach's I, Daniel Blake Oh um, yeah, oh cool, cool. Uh, That was uh, This was uh, You know, Ken Loach is A, <clears throat> a very um, You know, reliable filmmaker I mean, he just doesn't he's somebody that just doesn't make uh movies that you can just uh uh you know shake off uh, very easily. Uh this is the first movie in a few years though uh that uh, of, of his that uh really really has have has affected me. Admittedly there's a lot of his movies that I haven't seen. So but um this uh this film stars uh, uh an actor that I've never heard of uh Dave Johns as a uh, carpenter who suffered a heart attack. Uh he's in his, you know, he he looks like he's in his late 60s or and uh, uh he's uh, the entire movie is basically his struggle to uh to navigate the uh complex uh, paperwork needed in order to get welfare uh and to get uh, medical uh coverage for his uh heart attack and he's kind of caught, uh, he's caught uh between you know okay so he he has to go out and look for work but he can't take a job until he gets the medical coverage that uh uh Will uh, let employers know that he can work. So, uh, so, it's, but he's required to go out and look for jobs, but he can't. He can't take them. In fact, there's this one great scene in it where he gets a call from an employer that he's given his uh, resume to, and uh, the employer says, "Okay, well, I want you to come in for the job. You can have the job. It looks like you've got good references and everything." And he and uh, he says, "Well, I really can't take the job. Uh <laughs> cuz if I take the job, <laughs> I can't take the job until I get this thing." Uh, and and the guy on the other phone says, "So you'd rather be on the dole than than uh than take a job that I'm offering you." That's great. What an asshole you are." And he hangs up on him, and it just shatters <clears throat> uh Daniel Blake. Uh it's just plus there's this I I'm, I'm leaving out a major part of the movie and he he strikes up a friendship with uh, a uh, single mother who's just made her way to the city that they're in they're not in London they're in another uh part of Britain a uh, smaller town in Britain but uh the uh, uh the single mother played by Hayley Squires uh has she has two kids with her she's uh, struggling she's she had to struggle to get the apartment that they're in, uh, and um, they meet at uh, one of the offices. And uh, uh, it, it's it's as much a, it's as much a movie about her character as it is about uh, Dave Johns' character. Uh, in that, uh, it, it's this movie. <clears throat> this movie is probably the movie that can say more about the struggles of the poor than any other movie this year and i mean I'm including uh hell or high water in that as well mm-hmm. uh it 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 really uh it really shows you just how people are being choked by uh this uh overwhelming greed mm-hmm. that's uh, that's affecting the world i mean it's affecting the world uh and um you know there's this there's this scene. Uh, there's there's this, there's so many shattering scenes in this movie. I mean, it is really really uh, gut punch. And let me tell you too. There's there's a lot of relief in the movie too because uh, it, it's it, it's a movie that shows you that we really rely on each other to get through.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, so so it's not a uh, it's not a movie that's just beating you over the head with this sort of like, ah, it's so hopeless and everything, because it really isn't. It, we, we we rely on the help of our neighbors in order to get through. And I think this movie right. really, really shows that, uh, that. That's just as much part of the movie as, as anything else, as the criticism mm-hmm. of the bureaucracy and everything. It's just a... Uh, uh, but there's this great scene where they have to go to a food bank, and when you see the line outside of the food bank, you're like, Jesus, this is going to get worse, and it's just <laughs> this situation is just going to get worse and worse. But they go into the food bank, and uh, and <clears throat> the uh, single, uh, Haley Squire's, Squires character is so hungry that she has to, because she's been giving all the only food that she had to her kids. Uh, and uh, she's been subsiding on almost nothing, so she 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 feels compelled to open up a can of something and start gobbling it down because she's so hungry. She just breaks down in tears uh, at the food bank. And uh, you see the people helping at the food bank and everything, mm-hmm. and how kind they are and everything. And then you see the awfulness of the people in the in the in the welfare offices and and how how horrible they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I it's uh, boy I I don't know it, it's a it's a ridiculously complicated movie uh, in some ways, uh, but it's only complicated because of uh, the complex I guess world that we're living yeah. in. Uh yeah. and. I I just loved it. I, I thought it was superb in every way. I, he made the best, I think, the best movie about the IRA, The
2: Wind That Shakes the Barley. Like, oh, I yeah. think that's a super. I know. And i, I, I I've seen. I really go out of my way if, if, if it's playing in a theater, I'll, I'll always go see a movie uh, by him because I, I, you know, we don't, you know, you definitely stress it. He's a very diverse filmmaker. You know, Michael Winterbottom, Steven Soderbergh, um, kind of way. He really tackles a lot of different subjects. They do have a common theme about uh, like humanity, but he's a very good filmmaker. He's made a lot of great movies, um, and I wanted to see Jimmy's Hall and it's on Cable, and I still haven't caught it. Um, and I want to see this one because I've only heard great things about it. Um, and I'm so okay. happy that,
0: um, you guys are this. Wrist- you guys, the list, they're just telling it
2: tonight. Um.
0: Well, I'm, I'm my, I might as well say, uh, uh, I, Daniel Blake is my number two, so we can save time. Okay. Uh, and it probably, like, by far, is the most emotional movie I've seen this year. And that scene at the food bank is the most heartbreaking moment of the year for me. mm mm-hmm. um, Yeah. Because she's, she's so hungry, and then everybody, when she opens up a can... And she's so ashamed of herself, she's not able to control her impulses. And everybody gathers around her and says, "We understand. It's okay. It's okay." And uh, it's a beautiful movie, above all else, about humanity and how humanity can, uh, struggles to thrive in even the hardest times. But in the end, um, the times might just be too hard.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Too know which is the tragedy of it because we're all taught to believe that if you lead an honest life and you work hard um you know y- you y- you have a chance at a comfortable life if you contribute to society and you know in that way and uh, the world has changed and i think the the movie reflects that and it does reflect the comfort and love we receive from from strangers and unlikely from the unlikeliest places, the relationships that we spark with people that end up, you know, changing our lives in a way. Um, I, I I love the the human connectivity in the movie. Um, I just think that I always uh, most appreciate movies that <clears throat> are are about humanism, you know, humanity. And mm-hmm. uh, this one is for me like the top example of that from 2016. Um so yeah bra- bravo I uh, like yeah I'm obviously on board with this movie too and the mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. actors are so appealing they are they are so yes. good and be- and because you haven't seen them before really uh you see them as the characters they bring no baggage with them so you're completely accepting of them in that world and mm-hmm. uh, you know and especially when he finds out what what she ends up doing for a living to support her family. And you Mm -hmm. see how heartbroken he is and how ashamed she is. And the line that she has where she says, you know, your love is going to break me down, Mm -hmm. Um, which I thought was one of the most powerful lines in the movie. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, It's a a
0: really gorgeous movie and I think everyone needs to see it.
1: Yes. Uh, It's a, it's a must. Okay. Number eight for you, Jerry.
2: Okay, um, um, you, you have to forgive me. We're getting into darker territory now for the next couple of films. <laughs> Just forgive me for uh, no, because I really think I like this thing. This might be on your list. If it is, um, or it makes might make it easier, but it's not nocturnal animals. Mm. Um, wow! Right. Is it
0: wow! List? No, <laughs> but go ahead. I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're
2: well. No, I've talked. I've talked about the movie, so I'll keep it brief. You know, I'm trying to keep it brief for time's sake, and um, just as I get older and their mind wanders. But uh, no, um, I this feel you know, I like Tom Ford's the single man, the one he did with Colin Firth a couple of years ago. But this is just light years ahead in the darkness of human nature. Um, you know, I was torn. Do I pick this Amy Adams movie or do I pick a rival? Do I, pick, you know, you know, because they're both to me really good performances by her. But of course, I went with the dark, sinister, just, just, just totally off the wall, of course, because <laughs> that's who I am. Do we expect any difference? No. Um, <laughs> I talked about this. Um, I like this movie because the primary, the, the plot device and narrative, is Amy Adams reading the manuscript for her ex-husband's, ex-lover's book, which is the primary story of the movie. And, you know, I like that. The idea in 2016, you're going to have a, a major movie with a character reading a book. That's, you <laughs> know, you understand you're where right. I'm going with this. You understand where yeah. I'm going with this. The idea that you would have a character reading a book and... It, it, and the opening sequence, as we've talked about on this show before, is is something that really sort of sets up the movie, um, or just could, could be sort of just Tom Ford saying, I need to have fun with these people before I get them into the movie. Um, but it's... Yeah. Well, I just think that like, the ending of the film is perfect. And yeah.
3: I think if
2: you're paying attention to the movie, if you're paying attention, because I've already seen... Things online where obviously people were not paying attention to the movie. It's sort of like yeah. I, I I liken the reaction to the person the person I talked to who I love this person, but I remember when Pulp Fiction came out. how could John Travolta be alive at the end of the movie if he was killed halfway
1: through it? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you understand what I'm
2: saying. You understand yeah. the, the the analogy.
1: Then you, you, you haven't paid attention. Yeah, obviously you haven't, haven't paid attention. attention. Yeah,
2: um, it's related to my number one movie, which. I will I think the num- my number one choice for this year will have me um just relegated to the dungeon for the rest of my life, but that's okay. Um but Well maybe I not. Really maybe
0: like- not. After you after you hear my number eight you probably won't think that way about your number <laughs> one. No
2: but this 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 um I really like this movie. I because really, I didn't you know, I just we went to go see we went to go see Fantastic Beasts first. And then we we're just like it was one of those weekends where so many things were coming out, I was like, We gotta go see this though. So. My yeah. I was just like, okay, whatever. I think she's. I don't know. She did she sleep through Fantastic? I, just remember, my mom slept through all of Jason Bourne, and said it was a good movie. I'm like, how would you know? You slept through the whole goddamn thing. You woke up when there was an explosion. How would you know?
3: <laughs> I thought it was a good movie. Well, Dean you know? and
0: I, Dean and I also saw Nocturnal Animals. Uh-oh. Uh oh. And I, 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 I liked it fine. Uh, I mean, definitely, it definitely looks good. Uh, I was intrigued by it. Michael Shannon
1: is a great
0: Mm -hmm. uh, character
1: in in that world. How is he not not being talked about? I mean, I know that people were talking about him, but now it's Aaron Taylor Johnson that people are talking about because he surprisingly just won the Golden Globe for the supporting actor for...
2: How does kick ass upstage Michael
1: Shannon? That's what I, want. I, <laughs> I don't see. I don't, well, I don't see how Michael, that
2: happened.
0: Michael Shannon's Michael Shannon's performance, I mean, just as written, is one of those classic supporting performances that usually mm-hmm. get nominated. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah, yeah. You know what I loved about the movie? I loved uh, <clears throat> I loved the interplay between because there's really three time periods that are being covered. It's not only <laughs> her just reading the thing uh uh you know, in her ivory palace or whatever, which by the way those those sequences reminded me of something that maybe de Palma might have done like in the eighties well, it, it, it we'll kind of feels to that like it number
2: one I promise you this will all this I feel like we guy, the narrator Magnolia we're gonna get to that, <laughs> we're <gonna> get to <laughs> that. A, it it
1: feels it feels like a uh, it feels like a de palma movie in some ways like oh, kinda, yeah. uh you know but uh but it, it's not only that her reading uh, and the story but also uh you know the the dramatization of her uh ex's, uh you know novel but also uh it takes place you know when they first met uh yeah. when uh Jillian Hall and uh Amy Adams first first meet and uh uh so it it uh, it, it really is cleverly edited and constructed. Oh yeah, uh, oh, no it's doubt. It's got a beautiful, beautiful score. Uh, one yeah. of the best scores of the year. Uh, there's a lot to love in it. Uh, oh yeah. And it just, it just, it, it it just got edged out of my top twenty. Really. No, 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 no. I understand but, uh, that. I mean,
2: I'm a sick person, so I really, <laughs> you know, I, I let me be honest. If we were doing this five years ago, this 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 episode. I would have put Demolition alongside of this because Demolition was probably the first film I saw last year that I really loved. You know, uh-huh. I'm going to pair. I would pair it off with just great Jake Hall performances, and in Demolition mm-hmm. is a great movie, but it couldn't make the top ten. I was being really, really strict this year. Uh, but let's not. He's he's really good in the movie too.
1: Um, I felt he really, like he was overacting, uh, and that, he's one of the reasons that I I kind of uh, I kind of downgrade the movie a little bit cause he was doing there's a there's better mo- job than
2: Prince of Persia though. Come on, I mean better <laughs> There's, 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 there's mean, a few
1: moments where I feel like he's he's overdoing it a bit, uh, but uh, but I love Amy Adams in it, and um, uh, you know it, it, uh, it was, the end of that it, movie. Through,
0: you know anyone any i've heard people you know express like uh, well i've heard one of one of our close friends express how artsy the movie is and i Dean I told this to you I don't think it's artsy like art it's not artsy in a way that uh removes you from it that uh, alienates you from it right uh there are lots of uh, filmmakers that make those kinds of movies, not really in America but they're out there. Uh, what it is is stylish. So when when the when the movie ends in the last minute and a half, which is a long time, it just focuses on Amy Adams' face as she's sitting at the table. When people, you know, I li- I love movies like that where you know, you know remember that really long take of Nicole Kidman in Birth. Uh-huh. Uh The movie's actually oh, kind God, of famous yeah. Yeah, for yeah. That <laughs> long take. I love movies like that. I love to see actors thinking. And so yeah. I love that the movie ended on that shot of Amy Adams. And by the way, other movies that people love, like Magnolia, like Michael Clayton, end exactly the same way. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> but they're, God, not, they're yeah. not deemed too oh. artsy then.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's so true. Uh, yeah, I, the the ending is perfect, I think. Uh, and, uh, and anybody who has a problem with that ending – and there are a number of people who do – uh yeah, I totally agree. They they just haven't been paying attention, so
2: can I, Okay, can I give my you number another eight another number mom <laughs> story real quick though, from the movie. <laughs> you mean that was Han Solo's son who killed him? Okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry, I had to bring that up, sorry.
0: Okay, my number eight. Uh <laughs> is a movie I didn't think that I would like because I typically do not like movies about v- v- vapidity. That means vapid people. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, and I, I will be honest, like for the first hour, hour and 15 minutes, I thought, you know, the movie looks great. Uh, it, it 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 puts you in kind of like a state of mind, it's hypnotic in its own way. But I don't know that I jive with it. And then in the last half hour of the movie, it goes uh, – it goes to those places. It it takes the metaphor, and it makes it literal, and it goes pretty far out. And I admire the hell out of that. And for that reason, it's it's going to stay with me. And that's the Neon Demon. Mm. Now, um, oh
2: my god,
0: <laughs> my number one I, movie I, of the year. I thought so. That's <laughs> why I I love said. you, Jamie. Wait, wait.
2: I love you. <laughs> All I is do like forgiven. it. The the, sc- All is the scores
0: and. The score is amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean he he uh, Cliff Martinez, right? Cliff Martinez or Clinton Ansel? Uh-huh. Which one? Cliff Martinez. It's Cliff Martinez. Uh,
2: it, it, dude, and I, it's a score that is in my car. It will, it will probably never leave the car. Never leave the car. Sorry. Never leaving. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and and it's it, it's really it's that last half hour though, man. I
1: mean, you do get oh, the God. sense
0: of you know the the vapidity of the surface of the modeling world and how uh, jealousy plays a part and how, you know, obviously Elle Fanning is damaged in her own way somehow. Mm-hmm. She's coming from some kind of damaged place. And yet she, her her image is something wholesome and mysterious. And it's that it quality that all the other girls, while they're pretty, they're very superficially pretty. There's a right. sort, some kind of soul in there, in Elle Fanning that they aspire to that they can't have. And mm-hmm. so you want to kind of devour that. Uh, that's the metaphor. You kind of want to de- devour yeah. and ingest what you don't have. And he makes that metaphor literal, like I said. And I yeah. appreciated the hell out of that. <laughs> that that He, oh,
2: God, he yeah. went that
0: far at the end of that movie. Um, you know, and the it doesn't have any kind of deep significance to me, this movie, and it tells no. kind of human truth that that are pretty obvious uh, yeah. and i don't think it's i don't think it's i do think there's something about competition between women that is very very fierce and ferocious oh, yes it, um, it, yeah, so I,
3: totally. I
0: you know i i think that men probably express it a different way um, but uh, so I do think it's interesting in that respect, but just in okay. terms of of style and what the movie provokes it's a very provocative movie. It wants to make an impact, and I think finally it it does uh, and that that's why I recommend it
2: i didn't I did not think this would be on anyone else's list, and I picked it as my number one really says that i need I need the help that I do need um but um <laughs> this movie is, I thought I'd hate this movie because of the week it opened, people just just I don't know if you guys know this, is people just ripped this movie to shreds. I mean... They did. They just went after... I mean, they really... I mean, not, not went after it. They sort of like, you know, they killed it, and then they poured gasoline on it, and then they shot it again. You know, shot it to the corpse. To burn well, to the was
1: it was at Cannes, right? It was at the Cannes Full Festival, and that's where the knives really okay. started coming oh, out. Oh,
2: God, yeah. Okay. Um, I talked about it a little bit, but the problem with the movie with me was it stuck. It's stuck in ways I didn't think. I, I'm going to say it right now. I think it's light years ahead of Drive. I mean, I think it's just uh, over, you know, it just makes Drive look childish. And, and Drive really maybe in, the, in its own right is childish. And what he was trying to do with Only God Forgive as well, you know, whatever. But he gets at the truth here about competition among women that we see that I saw with actress friends in Hollywood, and I see with actress friends here, they are not friends with each other. They do not like each other because they're all going after the same job,
3: and mm-hmm. that's what it
2: reminded me of at first. But then I, the reason I picked the the Palma's my number two, was because I don't think the Neon Demon could exist without Brian De Palma. I think there's a lot of diploma in that movie. You may disagree with me, but I, I especially here in Cliff Martinez's score, I hear shades of um, from Blowout and Scarface um, and Obsession. I hear all that in there. Um, Then let's take let's let's and the score is a very important part of the movie. But then I see some of you know David Lynch from Mulholland Drive. That's in there. I, Mm -hmm. I, I think that's. I mean. It seems that this guy, um, Nicholas Reffin, has succeeded where Richard Kelly failed. Um, Really? I really do see that. I was thinking about that today. I only came up with that today, guys. Only came up with that today. So it's taken me since June till now to make that point, which should have been made by anybody else within 24 hours after watching the movie. But it took me till today. Um, Because I do think that Richard Kelly is very influenced by David Lynch and... Brian De Palma, even though the people at De Palma Alamo thought I was nuts. Um, but well, that's, that's for another story. Um, I do think this movie is, when we talk about De Palma, we talk about the visual, what a visual flair, how intoxicating it is. I got that out of this movie. There's something intoxicating about watching this movie on the big screen. It's just, you're yeah. just like, and that third act, Jamie, he goes there. He goes there. He's unapologetic about it, and he goes there. And you're just like, "Oh my god!" And by the way, I, I
0: I do not I do not read the movie as misogynistic. I mean, there's there's a difference between portraying a story about women that truly despise one another to their core, mm-hmm. and, and someone actually portraying that, and and somebody portraying that from a misogynistic that they themselves hate women. I I think. I, I think he's painting a portrait of this world in which they live in, and he's portraying it by their rules. They I, I
2: I agree um, with that because I didn't get the massage. I mean, I I think I think innately nocturnal animals is veers towards more for massaging because in the end, you are rooting for Elle Fanning and what becomes of her. Um, it is she does have the last laugh. Um. In the movie, yeah. and let's talk about. We talked about this before. This is l Fanning's year. I mean, this and Twentieth Century Women. These are really truly magnificent performances from her. She she really is no longer Dakota's uh, little sister. She is a great actress. <laughs> they're very di- they're life. very
0: different. They're very different. Yeah, and th- this is about as far removed as the really endearing performance that she gives in something like We Bought a Zoo uh, as you could get. You yes. Uh, this is this isn't in any way endearing. <laughs> no, it's not endearing, but
2: it's something very. How shall I say? Like, there's something very um, self-assured in the
0: performance. It's
2: a very confident performance. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's something well, there's a level of
0: you, self-confidence. You, you know. You know that she's damaged, and yes. it, that that world swallows her up too. Before yes. Before her does. demise, you know. It cor- it corrupts her in a way. And she might have come from a corrupted place to begin with. That remains yeah. kinda of mysterious to
2: you. Well the way she talks about her mother, because it's her mother who says a great line about her. Um that I think is she is she telling the boyfriend or is she telling Keanu Reeves? I forget. You must forgive me. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. But she she knows I think she knows when she gets to Los Angeles, she knows that there's something about her that I either you, know, you get the feeling just through yeah. dialogue that there's something back home, things were not well. Right. Things were not kosher back home.
1: Well, geez, Jesus. I know what I'm going to be watching later on tonight on Amazon Prime because it's, it's on Amazon Prime. E- right now.
2: I know I'm getting a nasty email tomorrow. Thank God I don't have to go to work. Well, you um, know,
1: it, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's bound to get a
0: response. And for me, uh, uh, you know, the people, their likely complaints, you know, it's vapid. And uh, I'll say yes, yes it is, and they'll say it's disgusting, and I'll say yeah, yeah it is. It's they're they're all this stuff in there just to shock you, and I'll say yeah, yeah that's why it's there. But
3: <laughs> <what> I love it. <laughs> you know, all, all the
0: all, all the criticisms are kind of you know what what made it stick with me, and mm. I'm not easy you know I'm I'm not necessarily easy in terms of being I wasn't shocked, but in terms of making provocative stuff, and I'm not automatically on board with you if you make that kind of thing. But there's something about the vibe of this movie where it all felt of a piece, you know. Um, and I like the I like the feeling of the world he created. Uh, I like that I didn't like it, that I, it made me very yeah. uncomfortable. Okay, uh, so uh, Dean, you're seven, you're number seven. This show's going to be two and a half hours.
1: <laughs> Easily. Uh uh my number seven is a is a movie that I've talked about a lot this year, so keep it short, but it's uh Iris Sax Little Men. Mm-hmm. Uh had a had a great conversation with Iris Axe a few weeks ago, which uh, if you've missed it go check that out. But uh this uh this wonderful movie uh is uh is uh also, kind of a commentary on what's happening to uh, the middle class uh, in our era. Um, Greg Kinnear plays uh, the father of our lead character, uh, who's uh, uh, I gotta look up the. Hold on a second.
3: That's okay. I gotta do what gotta do, man.
1: Uh, I should have done this before. Um Greg Kinnear uh plays the uh father of our lead character uh who's uh a great young actor uh named Theo Taplitz Uh he's a he plays an actor. Uh Kinnear plays an actor who uh has whose father has just passed away and uh leaves him a uh building in Brooklyn uh at the base of the building is a renter played by uh Paulina Garcia who we might remember from a uh Chilean movie a few years ago called Gloria uh she's a she's running a dress shop that's that's uh failing that's kind of uh a little bit out of step with the way the uh, the gentrification of the area is going uh, um, she's also uh, been paying a very low rent to uh to the deceased father who's just passed away uh and uh Greg Kinnear is being pressured by uh his sister who is you know uh, has also inherited this property to uh up the rent. So much so that it's going to drive Paulina Garcia out of the out of the place. Uh, uh, the uh, complications ensue, though, uh, because the son Theo Taplitz has uh, has forged a uh, very strong friendship with uh, with the dress shop owner's son, uh, who's played brilliantly by a kid named Michael Barbieri. Who's really one of the finds of the year? I think he's like, he's sort of like a, uh, like kind of a, a Matt Dillon type performance. You know, he's just like, wow, he's got, he's got magnetism and and uh, and strength behind his performance. It's sort of a street smart uh, quality to it that's uh, that's that's very endearing uh and uh so really this movie is about the relationship uh you know I've kind of framed it as as the you know the uh clash between uh Kinnear and uh Garcia uh, as being the, the lead portion of the movie but it's really about this relationship this uh between these two kids and uh and in that way it it, it uh it kind of sent me back uh to my own childhood uh to my own teenage years uh and uh to friends that i remembered uh having back then and those relationships were so important and then uh and then in a the moment they could be gone uh and uh and and they become just a memory uh as as a uh, As important as people are in our lives, uh, they're not necessarily going to be there forever. And uh, they they might seem like it's going to be like that in the moment, but but really, you know, at any one moment, they could leave. Uh, And uh, it's that quality that I think I responded to most in the movie. I think it has the... uh, Possibly the best ensemble. Uh, I mean, this this is a year of some really great ensemble, uh, you know, casts. But I really loved this one, and I I just I love those two kids. I love the score. Uh, I love the sort of breeziness of the of the uh, of the direction and the writing, and uh, I, I I just uh, responded to it very very deeply. Um, so that's my number. That's my number seven. Okay.
0: Jerry, you're number seven. My number
2: seven we've we we've talked about, and that would be uh green room. Um and mm. I know we've talked about that at length on the show, um, for and against it. And I, I just thought and you know what, I'm not gonna lie to you, it's one of the two great films this year that have great mu- like songs you know not not original scores but just um, supplemental music if we will just uh-huh. the punk soundtrack um, the other movie that I would put on that, that in that category is 20th Century Women Yeah. which is a magnificent um, selection of music from that time period um, yeah. but I, I have to go with Green Room just because I do think you know I hate to say it but it just seems like a pre- precursor in one way even though I don't think it was the filmmaker's intent of where the country is sort of going, it does show us our ugly underbelly of what our country is capable of. Um, but what really surprised me about the movie, um, Jeremy Salander's um, movie, uh, um, As With Blue Ruin, was there unexpected mo- moments of tenderness in the movie, in this very vile world where we have this, this punk band that's trapped in a, um, a, a skinhead club Um and it's about really nothing more than they're trying to get out in one piece. Their survival. They witnessed a murder, and they're trying to get out in one piece. And it is a very, it's a very—it's a very hard film to sit through. I actually was thinking about this earlier. I, I put it with Requiem for a Dream. It's a magnificent movie, but I—I I don't want to ever sit through it again. Um, it's one of those kind of movies, but I do think it's very powerful. I think it's very powerful. It's a great uh, one of the a great one of the last great performances from Anton Yelson. That we'll see um, a very good performance by Patrick Stewart as the head, um, that, I guess, white supremacist, and um, he, he's very good in the movie. So definitely different, quite different from what we're used to seeing from him. But um, it's, it's a it's a fascinating movie. Um, but it's one of these movies that's very I can understand why it's not for everyone, but it it, it certainly it left an impression on me. All
0: right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my number seven, cue the groans, Dean, is uh,
1: Arrival. Oh <laughs> no! It's no. a great, great, great,
2: great movie. You'll hear I want to grow – from-
1: Okay, I groaned at the last two that we've, <laughs> we've talked about. Okay, but all okay. right. So, so the,
0: in, in terms of the movie that I think I will grapple with most out of my top ten, I think this is the one. Uh, there, there are so many mysteries involved in it with me. I've only watched it once, uh, the screening before it opened. <clears throat> but in terms of the experience of watching it that first time, this is the movie that transfixed me more than anything else. I felt like I was truly lost in its world. And I chose at first viewing not to try to solve it like the puzzle it is, but to kind of let the feeling of it, the tone of it, wash over me. And in that respect alone, I think it's a remarkable movie because it has this, it has a feeling to it right in its marrow that, that just, it really seeped into me and it really got me. And, and, you know, I think it was, I'm also attracted to the theme of memory, how we experience memories um, how, how they play in our minds after the passage of time. Because I find more and more when I look back at the memories of my life and, you know, we sentimentalize some things, they become bigger in our minds, and I try to recapture what did the actual moment feel like in the moment? Um, because upon reflection, a lot of memories feel bigger than they were. And a lot of a lot of memories we make, we don't know they're so um, we don't know they're so titanic in meaning to us at the time. Um, so that's an interesting kind of interplay with how it it does the kind of suggestive intercutting that I, I thought was really effective, the Terrence Malicky kind of thing. Um, but from another thematic standpoint, I was moved by you undergo a terrible tragedy. Um, would you do it over again it, it, leading up to that tragedy? Is it, was it worth it? And I think that that's probably maybe the final stage of grief. Um, knowing that your child is going to die uh, and you're going to undergo that un- unbearable loss. Yes, I would, I would do it over again. Um, because the the journey and and the love that I felt and her presence in my life was was worth it. I thought that that was very powerful. Now, mm. in terms of the mysteries I have yet to unravel, um, the whole sci-fi aspect of it, <laughs> I you know, uh, I have admittedly I'm not a huge science fiction fan, but I, no. I appreciated how they how they took sci-fi devices and, and to and weave them in to tell a more kind of intimate human story. I like that. Now, where the aliens, the the, the communication, I like the communication that they communicated almost through time and memory. Um, mm-hmm. I like that concept. But I can see that this movie will deepen, and my understanding of it will deepen as well. The more times I watch it in the years to come. Mm. So, okay,
1: I'm I not love convinced. This movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love this but,
2: movie and I'm so happy that you picked this Jamie I mean I wanted to put this on my list so badly but there are only 10 slots and I didn't know this was a year and you're all going to adopt my style I would have gone ahead and done a couple of several <laughs> years and,
0: by, and by, by by the way I mean there's nothing wrong with uh, not totally understanding uh, a movie um, but yeah. knowing that you have to you have to live with it a bit longer yeah. yes Uh, One of our favorite movies. Those are the kind of movies that we should look for. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, 2001. A lot of people loved 2001 um, and loved it when it first came out, but they didn't know what the hell it was about, but they still loved it. They still liked it. And and that movie only gets better, and I I hate to say it, it gets better, but I think every time I watch that movie, I have more questions than I have answers. Um, Yeah. And I think that's true of Arrival. I mean, I don't understand all the rival. I understand the basics of it, but I'm sure I'll go back and I definitely want to watch it again. Um, it's a, it's an awesome movie and it was, you know, it looked like for a while it would have been on my top ten. Um, but it, I mean, it's a hard movie and I appreciate that. I appreciate that it's not that that's the kind. It's what a science fiction movie in another age would have been. We're so used to sadly other kinds of things that really wouldn't have been called sci-fi back in the day. Um, so I appreciate it for what it is, and I appreciate the challenge. Um, I hope there are more movies like that.
0: Number six
1: for you, Dean. <coughs> uh, number six is also a movie that I've talked about uh, a little bit this year. It's uh, James Sheamus's, uh debut film, uh, Indignation, based on the Philip Roth novel of the same name. Uh it stars Logan Lerman as a uh Jewish student in the fifties, uh going to a kind of a Christian college in in Ohio. Uh and he uh he sort of falls in love with a <clears throat> a deceptively uh beautiful but also very troubled young woman uh played by um uh gosh I can't uh Uh, Sarah Gaydon, uh, uh, and uh, he has – he's in love with this woman, and uh, they go out on a first date, and uh, she does something that that shocks him so much that he begins to question her uh, worth uh um and uh it's it's a movie about you know sexual repression in the 50s and uh and also uh sort of uh this character's kind of uh drifting uh it's it's also a movie about memory and the way that it's set up uh if uh, if uh you'll see the first scenes of the movie and and uh they're effective and and then you kind of forget about them as we get into uh the main crux of the story uh and then they come back at the uh end of the film and 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 you're like oh my god so that's what that was about it, it's a really really effective uh effective drama uh, uh with another great cast I mean Logan Lerman who is an actor that <clears throat> has never really registered with me until now but I thought that this was a perfect performance for him a kind of a Dustin Hoffman-y type <laughs> performance uh, um, you know early Dustin Hoffman uh, but the supporting characters uh, not only Sarah Gadon, but also uh, Linda Eamon who has uh, who plays uh, Lerman's mother uh, is magnificent in it um, she comes in uh I mean she's in the first part of the movie But she she comes in in the last third And really just knocks it out of the park And then particularly of course i got to re-mention Tracy Letts Who is uh, superb here As the dean of the school that he goes to And probably the centerpiece of the movie Is a very very long 20 minute uh, Sort of debate between uh, Lerman and uh, Tracy Letts That is just uh, really unlike anything that I've seen all year. Uh it's it's just so um funny and uh, and uh and I don't know fra- fraught with tension. Uh uh that uh, I I don't know, I just could not forget this movie. Uh and it it absolutely mystifies me how this movie is not being talked about uh uh in this year and I, I see nobody mentioning it uh nobody uh i mean it's obviously a, a well constructed uh, beautifully made movie uh james Sheamus, who is mostly uh, it was it, it is you know has been the producer for a lot of ang lee movies and uh and screenwriter for some of them as well including crouching tiger and and uh the Ice storm uh, so he's no newcomer to movies but this is his first uh, his, this is his debut film as a director. And uh and I'm just really happy about that because uh because this just shows you that he's gonna go on to do some other really challenging stuff. But uh really, I mean, once you get a chance to see indignation, take it. And uh I I think everybody's everybody who loves movies should really Adore it. No, it's so. a good movie. We, we 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 have
2: talked about it, though it's a really well well made movie. Um I think you know, it's really interesting, like when we went to go see it the opening weekend they gave us a card to fill out. Like you would normally get it at a screening.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: you know, they gave us a card to fill because they really weren't I, I don't think the studio had confidence in the movie, it turns out. They really had no confidence in it. Um That's one of the the impressions I'm under, and it's a really well-made movie. I mean, there's there's a lot to like about it.
1: Um, So I I just don't think the studio is fully behind it. Um, Yeah, I just get the impression that people haven't seen it. By the way, the entire cast is good. I mean, you know, this is another movie that gives, you know, shining scenes to – to people for just one scene or, or something but uh, uh, it, it's, it's got a very accomplished cast of a, of a lot of people that you've never seen before in, in movies or at least haven't been highlighted but uh, uh, geez I just loved it and uh, I, I adore it so. I need to see it one of any I need to see um,
0: Jerry you're number six with
2: Hell or High Water okay
0: That's simple. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, so, I
2: mean, we talked about it. We talked, I mean, I just thought to move okay. it along, to move the,
0: the show along, you know I mean? I'm just trying to help okay. out, Jamie. Just trying to
2: help.
0: <laughs> No, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> number six for me. Um, I finally saw this movie, and I was very moved by it. So number six for me is Moonlight. Mm. Uh, I I appreciated that it was a life journey that you saw this kid At three stages of his life I especially appreciated The transformation between The second and the third parts Because that was the most profound Transformation in his own life When he Heeded his kind of father figure's advice Of you have to define Who you're going to be And he mm-hmm. did that And I know that a lot of people take issue with a third actor Looking completely different from the other two Because he's all bulked up and stuff But I think it's a different person. And yet, uh, and yet inside uh, those, those wounds and those uh, unanswered questions about himself uh, remain unhealed. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Um, And I, uh, another uh, criticism of the movie is that it doesn't tackle, it doesn't go far enough in his sexuality. But I think it confronts the character's homosexuality as much as he does as mm-hmm. much as he allows himself to um, so I, I and i love the I love the way it was shot I love the mm-hmm. use of uh I love the colors popped in it I love the use of subjective camera um, I was really taken by it. I love the relationships in it um the, the the tenderness of it. It's another movie that for me is very very humanistic. Mhm. Um so I, I, I was I was very moved by it and I after seeing it I mean it in Academy members' minds I would imagine that it I really do see how it is a race between Moonlight and La La Land. And I can see either one of them winning, but I still give La La Land the edge. Not because I love like yeah. La La Land more than Moonlight. Just, just because I think it appeals more to the Hollywood kind of nostalgic right. crowd. I, I,
2: I think it's a good movie. You'll have to forgive me. I like it. I just wasn't over the moon about it, like a lot of people. I think I'd heard so much before I saw it. I sort of like was one of, kind of like one of those things. Like I, I get it, but it, I don't. I get it, but I don't get the all the love for it. I don't think there's anything wrong with the movie. It just. Didn't register with me as much as I would wanted it to. If that makes mm,
1: sense, that's if the way that I feel sense. about it too.
2: But I don't think I it's
1: just, a bad movie. I don't
2: want. The I have
1: I, I mean. have I have immense respect for it, uh, and uh, I, I I I think my main main complaint is I I just um, I just wish that they had made the character more expressive. I guess. Uh, hmm. I feel I feel very frustrated by that character in the sense that in the sense that I just don't think that uh I don't think that uh you know feeling like your sexuality is is repressed or should be repressed is enough <clears throat> to shut down your entire uh being like in terms of uh being able to talk you know I just mm-hmm. uh I just don't understand that choice. Uh really. Uh um and so uh I, I, I respond to the look of the movie. Uh I, I, re- I definitely respond to the colorful aspect of it. I love the score. Uh and it's a tremendous uh you know collection of actors there. Uh but I just wish there had been something else uh done on the screenplay level to you, to
0: See for me, uh, there was there was there there is a comparison between this and Christine, uh, in that they are both kind of very closed off. But I understood why he was. I I understood. It's like when Heath Ledger played the character in *Brookback Mountain*, and his expression of that repression was in his jaw, mm-hmm. in the, yeah, in his clenched clenched jaw. Yeah. and you know that kind of feeling manifests itself, that like kind of not feeling entirely comfortable with yourself uh, manifests itself in different ways. I believe that it would manifest itself for this character in that way, especially as a young black kid, mm. um, knowing, sensing that you're gay and having that be so totally ruinous to the kind of world that he existed in. I mean, uh, I know that's a problem for anyone, res- irrespective of race, but particularly in that environment, I-, I would imagine that you're afraid to say, to express anything. Um, mm. And I think that the the, the, the warmth and the, the expression of humanity comes from a lot of the peripheral characters around him as well. Uh, and, and also it means that when he finally does speak, it's very powerful. Because mm. in that second segment, when he finally opens up his mouth and speaks and he asks what's a faggot mm-hmm. uh, that's a powerful moment yeah uh and i think i think if he were you know chatterbox up until that point it wouldn't be <laughs> it wouldn't be as meaningful I mean, well, remember that actually that happens in time. the
1: first part. That that happens in the first part when he's a kid. When he's uh, oh yeah, uh, it, does. Um, it does. It, it happens yeah, because it happens uh, opposite uh, uh Ali, who's great in the movie. Uh, uh, yeah, I I think I think my reaction to Moonlight, just like it was with Jerry, might have something to do with the hype behind it. Uh, and maybe I'll uh, come back to it and, and appreciate it uh, more uh, if I watch it again. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I anyway, I'm,
0: that. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad separ- that you like it. from the hype, but I came at a place where I heard both of you uh, express reservations about it. So that was okay. my <laughs> hype. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Okay, uh Dean, you're number 5. We're 5 now, right?
1: Yep. Uh number 5 is Mike Mills's 20th Century Women, which I found to be uh, extraordinarily entertaining and uh I don't know, maybe maybe not uh you know, it, it's it's also kind of for me it, it uh <clears throat> like Little Men, it sort of keys into uh well, I mean, I was that uh, I was probably I was let's see I was 13 years old <laughs> in 1979, and so I really related to this movie. I was the well, my parents hadn't divorced at that particular time, but uh, I I could uh, I could just relate to this movie extremely uh, to an extreme level. Uh, I found. Um, I found it also to be one of the great uh ensemble casts of the year. I mean everybody's terrific in it. Uh uh Annette Bening is the uh, single mother, uh uh Elle Fanning is uh the kid's uh best friend and love interest. That was that was also very uh very personal to me because I was kind of in love with my best friend when I was uh, you know uh, when uh, when i was 16 you know uh she she was uh she was everything to me and i wanted to uh move on to a a, a romantic relationship and it just it just uh wasn't going to happen because it was a it was a friendship and she didn't want to ruin that uh so uh, that was also something that i keyed into i loved the music i loved the look of it
3: mm-hmm. i loved
1: uh the uh the the art direction in it i thought was somehow like just perfect like the the attention to detail you know the books on the shelves and everything were just yes that's that's what it would be you know there's a copy of future shock on on the shelf yes. and uh, mm-hmm. and stuff like that you know it's I, I and and uh i i just i just loved it it just keyed into something very personal to me and uh i mean uh uh I don't know. I uh it's another movie too that uh you know if this would would have been like in the uh released in the you know 90s or something this would definitely be like in the conversation for best picture because it's really just got everything in it. I mean, oh god, and talk about Gre- Greta Gerwig is so it's, superb in it uh you know how much I, I love I her.
2: It's her best performance to date. I mean, it's a yeah. very different performance. I mean, I, I was thinking about this while watching it. You know, she's, you know, she is in many, and you may disagree with me, me on this, but I think in many ways she's parroting Lena Dunham in some ways because she's really just kind of, and it maybe it's not on purpose, but just the way Lena Dunham's been acting the last couple of years, I almost felt she was, like, doing a spot-on parody of her at some point um, throughout some of it. Because I mm. knew that, you know, because Greta Gerwig comes to prominence at the same time as Tiny Furniture and Girls. So they've always, I thought, been competing for the same roles. And um, this just really, at a point, takes off. But it's a very mature performance from her. And she also is very good in Jackie, um, I, I mean, and um, this year, too. So she's definitely grown up. She's definitely, like... But this is, I, I thought she, she, like, was very good in this. I mean, I thought everyone was good. I mean, I think that I have no problem with this movie. And, no, it, I, and I just watched it on Friday night. So, sadly, it's not in my top ten. But it, it's definitely, I, I have, I, I just think it's the, enough can't be said about it. it, 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 it's something it I mean, i am still be thinking about this for a while, though, to let it sink
1: in. But it, it, it's just on the surface right now. It's a, it's a very beautiful film. Um it's very and beautiful. And it's got a, a, you know, it's been, uh, I remember in some circles it's it, it been said that, that the screenplay, it, it doesn't really, that it doesn't really add up to anything. And to me, it was a movie about this mother trying to uh trying to understand uh where her son is at and i think they come to they come to some kind of understanding and that that's the story yeah. uh and um and uh and it, uh, i you know it was a uh, it was also very interesting too how they uh how the movie is is constructed uh, particularly when it comes to its ending and it mm-hmm. and it talks about the future of all the characters and uh it's it's the kind of a thing that uh that happens in another movie that I'll be talking about later on but uh uh it, it's uh it, it it's, a, it's a it too is kind of a memory piece uh and um i guess that has there's a lot uh in my top 10 that uh a lot of movies in my top 10 that that really uh, hinge on this i guess but, uh, right but uh but anyway, twentieth century women. Uh it's, it's so funny too and and uh I I I just love all those characters, Billy Crudup, up and uh I, it's just it's just superb. I loved it.
0: Okay, Jerry, you're number five. My number five we've talked about and that
2: would be uh Andrea Arnold's uh, American Honey. Mm. Um, and I just and I and I had to put this on here. Not I, I think as a, and and we've talked about it on the show so I'll just make it brief, but I do think Sasha Lane, like Katie Jarvis in Fish Tank, just gives this incredible um, performance. And Andrea Arnold, obviously a British director, this is her American debut, um, really goes out of her um, way to make this, I mean, to continue the road movie, if it were, that if you want to say was, you know, that Larry Clark and Harmony Coraine, um ventured on in their film careers. Um, and this is definitely um is not that and she's just it's about her traveling with these people this is a group of kids, um led by America's favorite actor, child Alabow, um probably
3: the, the great the great
2: actor of his of his day in that hour in his own mind. But he's actually pretty good in this, um to be to be fair to him. I know that he has a cult following. There are people that really love this guy. I just think he's uh those are people who like watching car accidents, but that's just me. Um but um, <laughs> He's actually pretty good as the person that has, and leads these group of teens and kids selling these magazine subscriptions throughout the American South. And um it's just a really beautiful movie and I'm so glad I was able to see it on the big screen where I, I think it needs to be really appreciated, but it obviously not. It came and went very quickly when it did first brief theatrical run. But I just thought this was just something to behold. There's a lot of little moments in this movie. Um, And there's just a lot of truths in the movie that I think really add up to a lot Um, when all said and done. Well, the
0: movie movie is about the little moments because the movie, if you're looking for a movie that, and this movie probably does adhere to a three-act structure, but in a very loose way. If you're looking for a movie where one plus one equals two, um, you're not giving yourself up to it. The movie is a journey.
3: A big journey.
0: of of little moments over a course of something like two hours and forty minutes. I mean, it's oh a long yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, it is. Uh, and you're not sure where it's all going to end up, but if you if you give yourself up to it and you enjoy the company of these characters, which I found that I did, then that mm-hmm. in itself is reward rewarding enough. Um, I I thought it was a good good portrait of of these people in in this world. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, th- I thought it was a, a worthy movie. And Shia LaBeouf is very good in it. I've he, never is, had a problem he really with Sh- is. I, I've never had a problem with Shia LaBeouf, the actor. Uh, I think he's been the personality. fine.
3: personality?
0: <laughs> yeah. I think he's been fine too good in everything he's oh, yeah. done. Yeah,
2: no, he's good. He's never, died he's, he's never been embarrassing.
0: As, no, no, as, never as, been as, embarrassing. As a performance standpoint, yeah. no. <laughs> no, I, I mean I it's think not he, his I'm, fault that he was swinging with monkeys and crystal skull. That's not his doing. <laughs> he didn't write that.
2: No, no, he didn't, he didn't write that. And poor Harrison Ford. Why did his cinematic offspring have to be such losers? But I'll <laughs> no, but I'll, I I think he's a good actor actually. He's good in this and Nymphomaniac. I thought he was very good. But I thought the guy the Recognizing the Saints, he was very good. And I thought he was good in Holes. So I don't really have a problem with him. I I think we're we we like to play on that tabloid thing in the news, but no. And he's actually very good in this. Um, I don't think um, um, he's actually he's perfect for what the part entails. And he's almost when you first see him in the movie, you're almost happy. You're like, okay, this is very interesting. He is going to be like the he's the adult in a room, for lack of a better word, um, for most of the movie. Um, right.
0: Right. As weird as that uh, And everything or. that everything that entails. Uh, yes. Okay. My number five is uh, the best political film to come out in years. It's Wiener. Um, we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about it, so I'll just say this. There's a scene in Wiener where he's – the second scandal hits, and he's being interviewed by Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC, and, and O'Donnell says uh, simply, uh, what's wrong with you?
4: Yeah.
0: Uh, very, That's right. very pointed question, and it begins a whole kind of scene of combat where Wiener gets very uh, defensive. And says, you know, what a stupid question! I uh, I'm offended by the question, and he's screaming. But what the movie does, which is really interesting, the movie, he's he's being interviewed via satellite. So when you're interviewed via satellite, you're in a studio, you know, by yourself in front of a camera. You're you're looking at a monitor where the person interviewing viewing you is speaking to you. It's a dislocation uh, that occurs in satellite interviews. So and you see it from that perspective. So you hear his defensive retorts, but you don't hear Lawrence O'Donnell on the other end. You just hear Weiner like screaming at him, like he's in an echo chamber. Uh, and that's just indicative of the whole political environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. At this it is. moment in time. Uh, and that's just one of the kind of the insights, uh, in the, in the movie. Um, where all the sensationalism comes from, also the dichotomy of liking the man's ideas, not liking the man. Right. Um, that, that's interesting to me. Yeah. And and I think I think it's a shade a shading that we can't quite get to in today's society. We can't separate one from the other. Hmm. Um, not so, anymore. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. The the movie has so much to offer in terms of first of all the sensationalism, just the kind of the the, the juiciness of it. It has the fun fact with that it, you can't believe ca- the
1: there there's a fact, you can't believe that ca- cameras are there capturing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah there's that, that, that great scene where he's sitting there watching himself on screen and and uh Huma is behind behind him like just sort of rolling her eyes like i can't believe this guy like yeah <laughs> you basically what you're seeing is the meltdown of of not only a political yeah. career but of a of, of a marriage as well, and uh, well, and, 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 uh, and
0: and that that is a microcosm for for the meltdown of the the country and uh, and, mm-hmm. and how we view politics too, because they're essentially destroying themselves by 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 engaging in this kind of sensationalism. We are uh, we mm-hmm. are dead, and so so are we. There's I've never it's been so long since I've seen a movie that is all at the same time truthful funny, jaw dropping and painfully sad. Always yeah. entertaining. It's yeah. true, And that's what year
1: is. It really almost made my top 10 list. It's it's really on the outside like at number 12 or 11 or 12, but uh uh it's it's a it's a brilliant piece and uh and so of today like uh it's it's also in a lot of ways it's it's about uh it's about internet addiction <laughs> i mean yes, it is. The, you uh i mean not only he's not only or i guess it's it's not just about internet addiction it's about the addiction to be recognized uh his mm-hmm. his his absolute need to be recognized whether it's by somebody he's sending a dick pic to or or just the yeah. entire country as a whole but he's kind of he's somebody who's just who's just off of his moorings uh, out of his mind really and, and, uh, and it's really and a shame too. how can,
0: how how can someone be so smart and so stupid yes. and you know that whole need need to be recognized and and the neat and, and the kind of the feeling that you, when that little boy takes a picture with Wiener at the end, which sounds really awful,
3: yeah. <laughs> that,
0: that, is a, that is a sentence. Uh, but when he sees Anthony Wiener and the little boy recognizes him and is so excited, like this is the biggest celebrity he's ever met before in his life and wants to have a picture taken with him. The movie shows that. The movie doesn't tell you what to feel about it, but you could feel a number of ways
1: about that. <laughs> Mhm. You know, and it leaves it up to there you. Is. I love that. I love that. There's, there's so many ways that you can react to this movie, and, and uh, they're all correct. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Uh, so, so, Dean. Dean. Uh, Dean. What is? Are we number four now, Dean? Four. Yeah. Number four. Yeah. yeah. Well, number four is. Uh, is um, <laughs> Number four is uh, Love and Friendship. I'll just read something that I wrote for, uh, for uh, a website called Zeke Film uh, uh, about the movie. Uh, I've been a fan of Witt Stillman's work ever since his 1990 debut, Metropolitan, which set the template for his subsequent movies, all of which examine with extremely dignified wit the more troubled denizens of the privileged class. Uh, Uh, You know, these movies include Barcelona And The Last Days of Disco And Damsels in Distress And this newest one, Love and Friendship Which is not only his first costume-heavy period piece But also his first literary adaptation One that took him more than a decade to produce And one that perfectly matches his urbane writing abilities With the classicism of past literary eras Uh, Love and Friendship is based on Jane Austen's Lady Susan A novella she penned in 1794 which which was left unpublished until 1871 over 5 decades after her death. Uh the lead character uh is uh a duplicitous and kind of sociopathic uh person. played uh it's uh her name is Lady Susan Vernon, she's played by uh, Kate Beckinsale who gives one of the great performances of the year. Uh, she weaves her way into Austin's complex verbiage with athletic aplomb, just like the rest of the cast does. Uh, she plays a recent widow, uh, and as the film starts, she's penniless, having squandered her inheritance away on frivolities. And now she's dependent on friends and relatives to provide her a place to lay her head, and she concocts a new scheme to marry a man who's rich enough to help her continue her profligate way of life, and yet clueless enough to allow her the freedom to carry on with another man who she finds more attractive. Uh, and On top of this, she's preoccupied with marrying off her meek and moral daughter uh, to someone she considers a similarly viable catch. Uh, throughout the film, Lady Susan cleverly manipulates a large cast of characters, playing on their jealousies, insecurities, and prejudices, all the while trying to remain in their good graces as she protects her own shaky reputation. Uh, Love and Friendship is a deceptively complicated movie, one that I fear many viewers won't fully grasp on their first time around. And in a way, I kind of lump it in there with Martin Scorsese's adaptation of Edith Wharton's The Age of Innocence, and that it's a film with such a rich array of characters and such an incisive understanding of this maze-like way of life that's so vastly alien to us now that it takes us a few viewings of the piece to really grasp its deeper nuances. This very economical movie is only a little more than 90 minutes long, and I've watched it three times now, and every time I've noticed more and more details that (laughs) tickle me with their clever wordplay and wily character interactions. If you're expecting something something as kind and romantic as Pride and Prejudice, you'll surely be disappointed because Love and Friendship is is a film that hooks into the difficulties of being a woman in a world that values females only as sex objects, baby makers, and homebodies, and really values men only as studs and breadwinners. Lady Susan is a character wholly ahead of her time, and she recognizes these limitations and is willing to subvert the established rules of higher living in order to be happy. There's a lot of things I adore about Love and Friendship, but Whit Stillman's screenplay is chief among them. It's consistently funny, keeps things moving in a fast clip. Its attention to detail and the vernacular of its setting is ridiculously dazzling. If you're paying attention and if you have a wide vocabulary yourself, you'll be giggling at the surface of this costume drama that feels more like a subversive spoof of itself it's not really a drama it's really a comedy uh i there, you know i love the cast in it uh you know tom bennett is is superb as uh, sort of adultish uh, uh sir james martin who uh uh comes into play uh at, later in the film and uh and uh, really the entire cast is great i mean i really think that <clears throat> Uh, Wit Stillman has emerged with uh, a, a, one of the most beautifully produced movies of his career especially when you consider the low budget he's working with, his skill, masks, all of that, the costumes, photography and art direction are perfect and uh, and really just the cast deserves to be considered among, if not the best ensemble of 2016 then at least one of them and the script deserves similar devotion. so I think I think more when more people see it, it will be kind of a cult movie. Uh, and uh, I wish again, uh, it's another movie that I wish was more in the conversation and, and the in the year end uh, awards uh, race and, and and the top tens. You know, I haven't seen a lot of uh, seen it mentioned in a lot of top ten lists, but uh, it's really delicious. I love it.
0: It's a true uh, comedy of manners
1: and. Uh, it is
0: it is very funny, and I found that it since it it adheres to the kind of the the formal uh, costume drama rules, while at the same time it it has a lot of fun with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean they 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 speak in the manner that you would expect from a typical costume drama. But what they're saying is very slyly uh, cutting, mm-hmm. uh, spe- especially from Kate Beckinsale's character. And I found that since he adhered to kind of the, the, the manners of that time, um, it took away a lot of the self-conscious quirkiness that turns me off in a lot of his previous work.
3: Mm-hmm. Um
0: so, so I was very taken with it. I I enjoyed it a lot. And yeah, yeah, you know, it's a great movie. Ninety minutes. It's a breezy view, and it's it's highly enjoyable, and it's not stuffy. I mean, I know all the reasons why people refuse to watch costume dramas. <laughs> you know, being yeah. stuffy is one of them.
1: This isn't that, but that's not this. Although I do yeah. think that if you watch it, I think your enjoyment of it. Uh, it uh will uh will go up if you're it with the subtitles on because it's easy to miss a lot of stuff in it because uh, the the dialogue is so uh, yeah. dense that uh and, and uh and so um uh i don't know uh, i guess flowery that <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it's uh, uh it, it's something you know if you can read along with it you know you're gonna get a lot more out of it so well, you'll get a
0: lot out of it, just as you said, if you enjoy
1: language. Um, yes.
0: Which I do. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Jerry, your number four.
2: My number four we've talked about before, so I'll keep it brief the lobster. Um, just really, I, I thought very funny, maybe too funny um, for me. But, you yeah. know, how shall we say this? In the near future, uh, if you are single, you are sent to a hotel where you're forced to find a mate, and if you can't find a mate, you're turned into well, an animal of your choice. in Colin Farrell's choice is a lobster. Um, so I think that this film is, is beautiful in many ways because it just shows how obsessed we are and I think how scared we are of loneliness
3: mm-hmm. um,
2: at the end of the day. I mean, that's really what it is, and the resistance... Um, Played very wonderfully by um, Louis Warmest caller and Glorious Bastard's uh, Leia Sedux, and she was also an in inspector, if I'm not mistaken, as yep. the last Bond girl, and a very good Bond girl, by the way. But um, so we are to in this movie basically that there is a fe- there's a-, a fear of loneliness, but at the same time there is also a joy in solitude. Uh, Colin Farrell mm-hmm. is wonderful. Rachel Weisz is superb. Um, this is a really. Just, uh, a, I know a lot of people wrote this off as being incredibly pretentious, but I, I found it to be absolutely charming and delightful. Um, I couldn't get enough of
1: it, and I can't wait to revisit it. Mm, I'm going to revisit it soon as well. Yeah, I, I, I really admired it. Yeah, uh, it's a good, it's I a good one. Yeah, I didn't quite love it enough to put it in my top twenty, but it's definitely one of the movies of note this year, and uh, and uh, definitely uh screenplay wise uh, uh definitely the most original um uh concept for a screenplay uh
3: <laughs>
1: and, uh oh, yeah absolutely. i mean that's uh that's this director uh um uh, is somebody that uh, uh relishes in in telling stories uh, of this um, unusual bent so uh <laughs> I'll be definitely looking for more stuff from him.
0: Okay. My number four, in my opinion, is the best directed movie of last year. Uh, and that is Kreisha. Mm I don't think mm. you've actually mentioned that
1: movie on no, the show. No, no, we haven't. Uh, well, um, I, I I mentioned it last year. Remember last year I saw it at the uh, – uh, Atlanta Film Festival so I saw it quite okay. early um, but yes it's great
0: so <clears throat> the name of the director it's a, it's a first time feature filmmaker his name is Trey <clears throat> Edward Schultz um, and to tell like, how, what a unique directorial job this is think of this material being handled by anyone else it's uh, uh, an older woman uh, a mother uh, uh, who who I, I guess she's she's had a really rough life of alcoholism and drug abuse where she's kind of abandoned her own child who is now grown and staying with extended family over Thanksgiving weekend. And she, for the first time in many years, is going to show up and try to integrate back into that family. And it's very it's a very awkward situation where her son is very reticent, harbors a lot of resentment. Other family members are trying to, you know, grease the rails and make it as easy and welcoming as possible. And at the same time, she's trying to deal with picking up the pieces again. Um, While still, and when times get tough, she's still susceptible to want to go back to her drug and alcohol using ways. So that could be a typically straight family drama. Uh, The way this guy directs it, first of all, he casts it with mostly family members, so most of the people in that room are related to one another, and the lead actress, her name is actually Cretia. Um, you can turn it on one second, and it, you could swear you're watching a documentary. Mm-hmm. And you could turn it on another minute, and you could swear you're watching a horror movie. Uh, <laughs> it is so, so distinct in its style. Mm. And it's, it's a style that brings out the most possibilities from the material. It isn't imposed upon the material. It brings out the best of the material. Um, mm-hmm. And I will also say, with the lead character of Crescia, this is a woman that you don't see on screen. This is not a beautiful, you know, a beautiful older woman, you know, with perfectly coiffed hair and all of that kind of stuff. This is a woman that looks like she's lived a very weathered life.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and I so appreciated that she was the centerpiece of of this movie. Mm-hmm. It
1: um,
0: it's just, great it's in it. so gorgeously, gorgeously directed, gorgeously acted. You'll you'll be rooting for her, and the next minute you'll be completely horrified by her actions. Yes, You're, you feel the, ten- the tension of oh god, don't go there, don't go there. Uh, towards the end of the movie, uh, it's a gr- it's a great. I don't think it'll become a Thanksgiving. Tradition movie, uh, by any
1: means. <laughs> but uh, man, it is a, it is a nevertheless it is a great Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> it, it's it's a great
0: human drama. I mean, it really is. So I was it, so taken by it.
1: It is. It has great great camera work in it. The the cast is terrific. I, I put it in my top. I think it landed at number eleven or twelve last year for me. So I'm glad to see that. Uh, It's been getting some recognition, uh, and uh, I agree. I think it's brilliantly made, uh, and uh, I can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, But uh, I I just loved all those uh, – that one character, the brother that's sort of uh, in there kind of talking against her and thought he was really good. Uh, and, it, and, uh, and just everybody was terrific in it And it is kind of a movie that you think Oh God, there's no way this is going to work But it does uh, It's kind of a miracle That <laughs> it works as well as it does So I, I love it Okay Okay Number three, Dean Well, I, I'm sure this will be uh, talked about uh, by all of us quite a bit But number three is O.J. Made in America uh uh the incredible 8 hour documentary about the OJ uh, saga from uh from his beginnings uh as uh as a uh, football player all the way to uh his uh jailing for um for not only you know for being suspected of, of the murder of his wife and and Ronald Goldman but also is later jailing uh for uh for I forget what it, what his real crime was there is I uh, I think he was just jailed because they said ah you did it put <laughs> in jail so but uh uh it, it's just it's just a remarkable movie i mean i don't think we need to talk about it too much uh, i think everybody knows how how uh tremendous it is and this was really the year of OJ with <laughs> with this and and the uh, people versus OJ Simpson uh, uh you know a, a sort of a competing 8 hour piece uh they really kind of ping back on each other and uh and uh you know it's just just a remarkable achievement and and just what you know it, it, it's just the, both of them uh, are you know They could be lumped together, you know. Um, Both of them treat the story the way we want. You know, (laughs) we want. We needed to see this. And uh, there was no way. I, I remember when the O.J. trial was going on. I was thinking, you know, one of these days this is going to make a great movie. But how are they going to do this in two hours? Well, luckily they didn't. Right. <laughs> it really, it really we, took we, we hours. Talked, we talked about it. <laughs> we talked about it on the
0: show where we started to cast the movie. Yes. Uh, and we we're laughing about it. And I remember some yeah. YouTuber uh, commented on that video clip and said, "You know, you guys are laughing, but there's a." You know, it's not it's not parody. Uh, You know, people were murdered, and you know, my point was uh, there is a parody aspect to this this trial, and it has nothing to do with uh, the victims. Um, It's just like what Marsha Clark said, and it's in that documentary in the courtroom. She she was talking about a a cartoon that she read, where the little girl asked the mother, says, uh, "What's this N word that no one's supposed to say?", and the mother says, "Nicole." Uh, you know, and I thought that was a very profound, <laughs> profound moment in that. In um, the, mm. What what really stuns me about the movie, I mean, this is clear. This is about OJ, his his life, his his rise and demise. The series is about you know the the case, this particular case.
1: Uh yeah. so
0: one's a micro view, one's a macro view, um, in some respects. But the what I really appreciate about OJ made in America is that. O.J. became the ambassador for uh, the suppression of of the African-American race uh, by by white power. And uh, he was wholly unfit to hold that mantle uh, because he he denounced it. He denounced being part of that community. He shunned it until it suited him. And then when he gets out, which this is the revelation of O.J. Made America, is the whole story yep. about when he, when he was acquitted and how he lived his life afterwards. And he started to embo- try to embrace a life that he had previously shunned, and it just didn't, it didn't click. What people wanted to read in O.J. was never there. Um, mm-hmm. It existed in them, but not in him. Uh, and I just, I, from a cultural, like, Almost like a sociological study, I thought it was fascinating just from that aspect mm-hmm. alone. So O.J. Made America is my number one. Uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen anything as astounding as that. Both the, the breadth of that whole work is just incredible. Is that
2: available on demand to watch? Because I I just I haven't gotten a chance to watch it. Is it available on demand?
0: Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I know it's on Blu-ray, okay. but uh, okay.
2: I think okay, OJ, my, oh my number my number three is the nice guys, which I mean, do we need to add anything to that? I mean, we've talked about <laughs> it. I mean, I know I'm just saying, since I'm just trying to be for the brevity, you know, since we've talked about it at length. I mean, I I just I give it to Shane Black. I'll, I'll see. I'll watch whatever he does. I have to say this though about the two leagues. they have great chemistry together, and Shane Black seems to bring this out in everyone. But I find it very interesting that mm-hmm. Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, their earliest roles, are playing monstrous skinheads, just monstrous <laughs> characters. Yeah, that's true. And I never they thought played, about that. They have, they have made, over the years, these very comedic roles, but especially in Ryan Gosling's case, it's more pronounced. you got Crazy Stupid Love, you have La La Land, obviously, Lars and the Real Girl, um... And then, but Russell Crowe really just seems I, I just wish you'd do these kind of roles I just wish there was a, a sequel or more movies with these guys because they have great chemistry together and that's really the key to all of Shane Black's work whether it be the Lethal Weapon movies or the early ones God we have to say the early ones um, and <laughs> uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang even Iron Man 3 he seems to bring out he's a very good writer he has a very good feel with characters and really making them likeable and I know it's just, this is very enjoyable very light hearted very um a very good, a very enjoyable film. I mean, just and, like, and once again, I think a case where in a very in a in a, in a series of dreadful, dreadful summer releases and in, in May, this yeah. was the bright spot. I mean, and I think that's what we're talking about here. We said with Howard Highwater, High Water*, these movies have been released at other times. Now, *The Nice Guys* did did okay. It was not a hit. I don't think it's on anyone's radar, nor I don't think it should be. But it is a very enjoyable movie, though. So. Um, and I just you need that sometimes. So. I, and I'll, I'll leave it there because we've ta- I've talked about it. At length.
1: you know who I love in it is I. I, I do love the lead performances uh, uh, and uh, particularly Ryan Gosling, and I love Angourie Rice who plays. Uh, she, she steals the, the
2: movie.
1: She, she steals does. the
2: movie. I mean, when I mean I actually you know you, it's a completely different movie, but I actually think adding her along to
1: everything just takes the movie in a totally different direction. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It it adds quite a quite a bit of uh quite a bit of heart to it and uh yeah, I like it. I wished that the uh I wish that the central mystery would have been clearer or uh you know but uh I guess the movie really isn't about all of that. It's really about those two guys. And, yeah, and, I, I think
2: the mystery is you know. almost beside the point. I mean, uh-huh. I, think I think halfway through the movie you realize, um, okay, we don't.
1: Do well, we don't really listen? care about all this. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: all right, well, we'll mention for another story, but another show. But okay, let's, Jamie.
0: All right, Dean, your, uh, oh, do I go what are we at number three? Do I get my number yeah. three now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yes. Yes. Uh, my, my number three is Tower. It's the documentary I talked about before. Uh, oh yeah. About the I think it was in 1959 the the shooting from the University of Texas Tower of these random students. It's um, done with rotoscope animation, which is typically a technique that I don't really jive with, but um, but but it's used in a very special way in this movie and, and they interview the survivors, the people that helped the ones that died, you know, so it's an engrossing story just in that respect. But what I admire most about it is that it it, it exposes some human truths <clears throat> that I think are, are, are very uh, valuable. Um, you know, what's, what's the difference between being a coward or being a hero? Um, how do you make sense of this kind of act and, and, and this v- scope of loss? How does it define the rest of your life? How do we um, how do we look upon the actual person that did this? What is the best way to 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 approach that and make sense of it of what he did? Um, so I, I think it does everything right. It's very touching. I mean, there are moments in the movie where one of the interview subjects they just say like a single sentence. And I, I thought, man, I just learned something about human nature. Uh, Mm. And that is rare in in movies that I see. But the one moment that will always stick with me is when the woman's is holed up in the building and she looks down and some, some people are carrying a wounded cop to safety. And she says, you know, it's in that moment that I realized that the, uh, I'm a coward. I'm not one of those that will run in and save people. I, I self-preservation mm. thing. And it's just, she says it in a way not like you know I'm a terrible person. She doesn't say it like that. It's just, I just learn I learned something about myself in that exact moment. Mm. Um, which that resonates with me. The defining moments in our lives and seconds they could happen in a second. And how they will live with us for the rest of our lives. How will they, they will define the rest of our lives. That's powerful. And when you see Tower, uh, it could have been tabloidy. It could have been, uh, hey, let's revel in the, in the sensation of a lone gunman shooting off all these people. But it really is about a human experience
3: mm-hmm.
0: in its most extreme form. And I was just so moved by it. Um,
1: Surprisingly so. It was was the big surprise of the year for me. The the experience of that one woman who uh, the pregnant woman who is shot, and then uh, the woman that comes to uh, uh, yeah sort of come to comes to her aid as she's uh, she's the first one to get shot, and uh, her her boyfriend gets uh, shot along with her and dies immediately. And she's just left there baking in this hot sun, uh, and no one's coming to help her. So this one woman comes to keep to keep her talking to keep her from uh from passing out into death basically and uh and uh that that whole sequence uh in the film is uh, is extraordinary. Uh, there's a lot of lot of great stuff in that movie, no question about it. And uh uh and and just on the level of it being a historical document, uh, in the face of uh, you know almost daily shootings, uh, similar mm-hmm. <laughs> shootings now, uh, how how this was uh, how this was just unheard of uh, back then is um, yeah. uh it's yeah. just it's just a sad <laughs> sad commentary and on and where and we it are. It's just
0: it's just us everything right because it doesn't hit you over the head with the relevance of it. But at the end uh-huh. of it, the few clips they show, when one of the survivors say, you know, I see what happens at the Aurora Theater and all these other incidents, and it brings it all back home, um, yeah. That the, the moment 50 years ago. Uh, and and how it treats, how it kind of bookends, it tells the story of the shooter, but it only dedicates like a minute to that. and it, yeah. And it expresses it in the perfect way. Yeah, And the moment where you're talking about her keeping her company by speaking to her and keeping her alive, she wasn't strong enough to carry her off on her own, especially when the gunman's up there and he's likely to shoot her if she tries. So she just lied there and spoke to her next to her on the pavement. She never got to thank her for that. Yeah. And, and she realizes how much that meant to her in her life. and. But she's already passed. You know, it's, she's she's been passed for a few years now. So she was unable to thank her. And it's like you said, like the people in your life that really profoundly meant something to you, and it's kind of ephemeral, it, ethereal. It kind of they're there and then they're gone, mm-hmm. but they leave that in, they leave that imprint. Um, it's just a gorgeous movie. So that's,
1: that's yeah. number three for me. Dean, uh, you're number Man, three Number two For me is uh, number 2 Your You're number two is, uh, is Kenneth Lonergan's Manchester by the Sea uh, Absolutely uh, Of a piece of his uh, You know, you could consider the, uh, You know, you could count on me And uh, Margaret And Manchester by the Sea To be kind of a trilogy In some ways mm-hmm. about grief And loss and Uh, And uh, I think Manchester by the Sea might be the best of all of them. Uh, uh, You know, uh, uh, Casey Affleck is, uh, you know, absolutely superb. He's going to get the Oscar, no question about it. And uh, 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 his character, well, you mentioned it earlier, Jerry. It is hard to see how he's able to get up in the morning, but. But you know, we get up in the morning (laughs) We we do, we just We have to We have to get up, you know, what are we going to do And uh, You're absolutely right, man uh, The 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 place where this movie goes Well, first of all, the movie is not As depressing as everybody Says it is Uh, I think think the movie has Tons of great uh, humor In it, Uh, like all of uh, uh, Lonergan's movies it's laced with humor and uh um uh it just feels so real uh that uh, mm-hmm. you really really feel like you're there when you're watching one of his movies you're you're there with real people uh, uh there, there's no artifice there uh the movie even refuses to conform to any kind of uh you know movie shaped payoff uh when it gets to uh its final moments uh in a way the character really hasn't changed uh um it, uh he's he's changed only in the sense that he's gotten a sliver of something to hang on to uh but he he realizes he definitely realizes that there's going to be a lot more work uh, a lot more time needs to pass before he's going to even be able to get close to conquering uh his uh his uh, sense of loss and uh Michelle Williams is fantastic and again another great fantastic uh, ensemble cast uh Kyle Chandler and and Lucas Hedges and uh, just everybody uh, everybody in it is perfect uh and um it's just this is the kind of movie that I love uh, Yeah, I I just I just love I mean I think if you look at my top 10 you know with Manchester by the Sea 20th Century Women Indignation Little Men uh, Southside with You Christine I Daniel Blake all of those movies are are about you know real people, mm-hmm. real people. That's what I want in a movie, and this this movie just did it uh, better than almost any anybody any other movie did this year. So, just uh, I just adored it. It's perfect. I mean, there's nothing
2: wrong with this movie, and I mean. No, I agree with you. There's something rather cathartic about it. And I do think, I'm glad that you mentioned Kyle Chandler, because he's superb. Yes. He's really superb. I mean, everyone, the whole cast is good. Look, this movie is a four-star movie. Um, I'm not going to be around the bush with that. Um, I just didn't have room to put it on the list. I didn't know where to put it. Um, but it's a, I have no beef with this movie. And I do agree with you. Of his three movies, I do think this is the best one. But it's a powerful movie, and I would have no problem, but I don't know if this is best picture, but I do think Casey Affleck deserves it. I mean, I
1: really do. It's quite a performance. Yeah, he's he's superb. I I really do think that. And Michelle Williams is fantastic, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, she only has about 10 minutes, 10, 12 minutes in the movie, but she she makes the most out of it, every bit of it. No, she's uh, very good. The scenes
2: between the two of them at the uh, towards the end. Yeah, that's 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 a great scene, guys. I don't care who you mm-hmm. are, but that's a that's a powerful
0: scene. Um.
1: Yeah. Okay. So Jerry
0: your, Jerry, your number two was De Palma. That was yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number two is I Daniel Blake. So Dean, uh, what is your number one?
1: Well, I'm surprised to say this. It's the kind of movie that I would probably... <laughs> I don't know. I was surprised by it, even though it's gotten the most love out of any movie this year. But it's La La Land. I really, really responded tremendously oh, yeah. with it. And it might be just that... <clears throat> maybe I'm putting it at number one because it's the last great movie that I've seen in some ways. Uh, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> but seeing it on the big screen I was uh, I was immediately just uh, taken with it Uh, Mm -hmm. just like from the very beginning that that very first shot of the CinemaScope logo in black and white and then it widening out the CinemaScope uh, and showing that in all of its brilliant glorious color and just the color in the movie in general is uh, is uh, uh, is overwhelming I mean I think it's time to reintroduce color into movies. You know, there's so many movies that have the color just washed out of them. I mean, they don't even have the, the guts to make it in black and white or anything, so they just make it into blue and white or brown and white or something like that. You know, color uh, – another movie that uh, in my top ten that really utilized color was 20th Century Women. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 you know, I mean – it has so much of an effect on – just simple simple colors can, like, be a uh, a a, um, a production value, you know? Well, there's a reason. I
2: actually think what you're I, I see what you're saying, and it's very important. So you bring up 20th Century Women and Lalo, and the other movie about color, if you want to add that, is The Neon Demon. And it's Neon something Demon, about right. stuff, Southern California. Mm-hmm. Beautiful guys. Let's not beat around the bush. Um, mm. I mean, even on episodes of Chips. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not being facetious when I say no, that. No, but there is something yeah. about Southern California, and it's there. It's in. It's, I I want to say it's in nocturnal animals, but the a lot of the drama in Los Angeles in nocturnal animals is at night because the color uh-huh. is really in the, is the colors in the novel for the most part. For the most part, the colors in the Texas. Um, mm. In that in that movie, but the it is there's something about it, in there, and a guy and a guy that always gets it right. But the color is uh, Paul Thomas Anderson in mm. all his movies about the valley. It's there, but I do think it's something that's probably look. Um, you mentioned two movies that are, you know, 20th Century Women and La La Land and, and Manchester, all, all four star movies. But
1: going back to La La Land, it is beautiful. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Oh my God. It is dazzling from that first, that first, every, uh, another day of sun, uh, that, that. How did
2: uh, they do that? Guys, how did they do that scene? Just please explain. How do you do that on the freeway in Los Angeles? Please I don't know,
1: but, but it was remarkable. And not 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 a not a not a CGI moment in the entire movie. Like they they might have utilized it somewhere, but I couldn't see it. Uh, I I uh, I felt myself while I was watching the movie, like tearing up, uh, Mm -hmm. because uh, it was like rediscovering a friend, and the friend is cinema. Uh, Yeah, uh, great great uh, <laughs> it was like it was like wow this is really something else this is it's so uh, lovely and and uh, and um, but it's not phony I didn't feel any of it was phony uh, I felt it really came from a real true place in the heart I can mm-hmm. feel it coming from the director uh, oh, yeah, I can mean. I can feel his passion for it. Uh, I thought that the the movie was, uh, you know, it, it was uh, funny in the right places. I thought the music, of course, is superb. Uh, yes, it's possible that the two leads can't really sing that well. But you know what? I kind of can even understand that because – they're they're artists that haven't yet found their voices. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So you you can make a uh, you I I don't know if you can make an, call it an excuse for it or a, a, a justification. I think of it as a justification. Um, I also appreciate I you know I I didn't want to see somebody get up there and belt those things out with uh some kind of, you know, uh American idol type voice that they're going to I like it that their voices are are lower key and uh cuz they're they're uh very contemplative uh songs uh for the most part and um they're not uh they're not there to stop the show necessarily. Uh but I I you know, I love scenes like the I like that wonderful scene where <laughs> where he's Uh, uh, Gosling is uh, uh, forsaking his jazz uh, uh, desires to play jazz which I I love that jazz plays a major part in the movie too that wonderful scene where he talks about jazz dying uh, was incredible Uh, but also uh, the the scene where he uh, forsakes his jazz ambitions and and goes and plays for an 80's cover band and Emma Stone comes in and and requests uh, "I Ran," you know, the uh, "Flock of Seagulls" song, and <laughs> he just sort of <laughs> he sits there in his, in his red jumpsuit and everything, and uh, playing one note on a <laughs> on a on a guitar, uh, you know. Uh, I was like, this is just wonderful, and she, she's. She's magnificent in it. I think. I think that she's she deserves best actress this year. I think. Uh, I think. And he was uh, also superb in it. I think he's he's better in this than than the reviews have have uh, led on. Right. He's he's he's, uh, he's right there with her. And then when you get to the ending of it, uh, and uh, the the sort of. Uh, the view of what might have happened, uh, uh, you know, it's just like uh, overwhelming. <laughs> yes, it is overwhelming. Oh, I agree. It's I my, agree. It's
0: my, it's my favorite favorite ending of the year, and it is mm. so uh, bittersweet. And just mm. the way it's edited. Uh, mm. I mean, the editing is stunning, especially in that last sequence.
1: Yes. Yes, but it's just, it's filled with the love of movies. Yes, uh, it is. It, it, it's, it's just, it's bursting with it. And, um, you know, it's just wonderful to, you know, there's another major movie this year that, that I saw that was also filled with the love of movies and that didn't just miss my top 10 and that's The Jungle Book. Uh, oh yeah,
3: um, another good
2: uh, one, You yeah. know,
1: that's that's just one of those, both of those are just too, uh, I just, uh, you know, La La Land is just a movie I just want to hug and protect and uh, love it. I can't wait to see it again. Yeah. Uh, uh, If, if, <clears throat> if I was a teenager watching this movie, I would have gone out to see it like three or four more times already. <laughs> you know? Well, uh, I'll
2: tell you what. Yeah. You have the soundtracks. Have you gotten the, there are two soundtracks and I had those and I love both of those tremendously. So um, if that's so there's two about different the soundtracks. There's so well, I, I guess there's the one with the orchestration, just the orchestra and all, um, uh-huh. and the other with the, the singing. So the two, I I got both of them just because I I was just so. There are a couple of numbers that I just love a lot, and um, it's. I mean, I have you know, there's a back. You know, we talk about backlash, and it's massive. Um, it's very unfair. As with well, there was this Manchester the Sea, uh, Manchester by the Sea, as well. We've talked about that as a backlash to that too. As there is with Moon. I mean, I, I, I hate that. I, I really do. I think this film it, 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 it came along at the right time. La La Land. And I, I think you said it best, Dean. You really said it best. You discovered an old friend, cinema. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't think I've heard a better description of that movie or of some movies in general this year where we all, you know, a lot of people just want to say it, movies are dying. Movies are, and if it's if this is the movie, then that's fine. It's a movie that tries to really rekindle a very old-fashioned type of genre that we don't see a lot of and more power to it.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So that's uh, that's it. Uh, uh, of course. Oh no, it's not, Jerry. You haven't you, have you divulged your number
1: one yet, Jerry? Yeah,
2: the Neon Demon. I I I I blew okay. my load early when
1: you did. <laughs> uh, but... Okay. And your number one and your number one it's is OJ. Uh, is OJ. So. Yeah. And just to just Man. to go back, you know, uh Jerry mentioned, you know, mentioning some of the movies that didn't make our list. Uh uh for me the my supplemental you know, uh eleven through twenty right now stands at Jungle Book number eleven, Wiener, uh, thirteenth, the great Ava Duvernay movie about the uh about the uh prison crisis uh facing black America. Uh Things to come, the great uh uh, uh, Mia Hansen loves movie with Isabel Huppert is a woman that, that experiences three great losses in in her life, one a- after another, and still faces it with uh, incredible bravery and, and uh, just like that, ah, she just picks herself up and goes along. Uh, Sully, I loved uh, Clint Eastwood's uh, movie mm-hmm. about Sully Vellenberger. Good movie. I just... This is the uh, Today is the uh, Anniversary It's almost the I guess it's the Eight year anniversary Of uh, Of the event On the Hudson And uh, I just we watched it again Last night And I loved it even more uh, On so many levels Uh, I just finished watching Tony Erdman And I uh, The uh, 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 The film from Germany Which I thought was A wonderful uh, Sort of Father daughter Relationship film that was uh, surprisingly funny. I loved uh uh De Palma, um uh loving the um the terrific Jeff Nichols movie about the uh about the inter- interracial uh relationship between the the uh two people in the uh South in the sixties. Uh Sunset Song from uh the wonderful movie from Terrence Davies about a woman's experience uh uh on a farm in Scotland in the uh, early nineteen hundreds. And rules don't apply. <laughs> Warren Beatty's movie rounds out my top twenty, which is a big surprise for me. But uh I I find that I think about that movie a a lot more, uh than than I was prepared to. So but those those are all my uh the rest of my top twenty. Okay. Um,
2: I'll just read through these really quickly um, in no particular order, but I just want to. And I do, so the things so you got to see things to come. I want to see that very badly. That's one of the movies that I I, I really wanted to see that I that I missed. So um, never. Op- I don't know if it opened here or not even. But um, okay. So Manchester by the Sea, La La Land, Jackie, Demolition, A Monster Call, 20th Century Women, High Rise, Captain Fantastic, A Bigger Splash. Which if Holly Hunter mm. could get nominated for not saying much can't tell the Sweden. Get nominated? Just is that wrong? <laughs> is that oh I'm just saying. He's good in
3: uh,
2: it. Is he? Going, I mean, it's it's it really and you know I I really have to reiterate Ray Fine is having the time of his I you know he doesn't look like he never looks like he gets to have fun. He's having the time of his life in this movie. I mean that's true. Can't, can't we give an award just just for that? Just I <laughs> um, Cafe Society. I like The Rival, Bloodfather, Sing Street, The Shallows, mm. Loving. Um, everybody wants some. Rogue One, yes, Rogue One does get in there. Um, L, Axel Ridge, The Invitation, um, Don't Think Twice, Kubo and the Two Strings, and Deadpool are other movies that I really enjoyed this year.
1: So I guess it really wasn't as bad of a year as I've been saying. I have yeah, to I like. Yeah, I
2: just, I know, but I understand. I could understand if you said that in the, as we did in the summer, and even if you said that in September. It would have been understandable. I mean, I, it, you're right. It, it, November comes around, and all of a sudden it's, it starts. It's this gauntlet starts.
1: and <laughs> it's It's exhausting. Why can't they just spread it out?